the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Tuesday, October 17th, 2023, and this is the Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 283. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. It's available across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Check out the Steak for Breakfast link tree that'll take the show's Instagram, our latest Substack, and verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and Truth Social. What's up, everybody, and welcome to our big Tuesday edition of the show today. I'm Roan. Noah's out of the office, but don't worry. The CEO of the Patriot Cigar Company, Alan Jacoby, will be here co-hosting with me. We've got a lot of breaking news. Will the House of Representatives ever get back to work? I can tell you at this point, the answer today is probably not. Israel appears that it's ready for war, and we'll bring you up to the minute on what's going on there. And Donald Trump was back in Iowa yesterday with dual speaking events. We've got all the highlights. Great slate of guests coming in here today. We'll be sitting down with author and attorney for Save America, Miss Christina Bob, the official spokeswoman for the 45th president of the United States. will be here as well, Miss Liz Harrington. And we'll catch up with Georgia Congressman Mike Collins as he's getting ready to enter the chamber and cast his vote for the Speaker of the House. But before we get to any of our interviews, let's jump right into the headlines and change the way you consume your news. Smokey, this is not NOM, this is bowling, there are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by. All right, getting the news portion of our show kicked off on this Tuesday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Noah's out of the office today, I'm still Roan. We're going to have Alan Jacoby, who's the host of MAGA Mornings and the CEO of the Patriot Cigar Company, joining us for the entirety of our show today. Alan, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Doing well. Better that our guest is here. She's great. She is great. And we're going to introduce her. She's going to be joining us for the first news segment. She is a author and attorney at Save America, one of our great friends. Miss Christina Bob is back. Good morning to you as well. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure. How's everything going on your end? Everything's going. I mean, it's all going. That sounds like uh, as much as an endorsement as some of our House Republicans has given Jim Jordan. Yeah. Is trying to get the speaker uh, gavel today. Oh, come on. You can't compare me to those guys. No, things are good. Everything's good. Everything's crazy. You know what I mean? Like it, President Trump is like, like no other. He's doing amazing things despite crazy odds and uh, obstacles thrown to try to derail him. But Everything's good. He still has momentum. He's getting so many great endorsements and support from a lot of people. So everything's good. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that Donald Trump is in a Manhattan courtroom today uh, in his civil case there where they're trying to liquidate his entire life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we saw that there was a gag order slim gag order i'm not an attorney that's why you're here christina yeah Uh, maybe you could define that for us but that was issued against him this week as well from judge chungus as we refer to her on the show here (laughs) um yeah that's right there was a a gag order issued in the washington dc uh january 6th case and here i'll read the portion of it um it said her order it says it is hereby ordered that all interested parties in this matter so technically it's not just donald trump but it says all interested parties in this matter, including the parties and their counsel, 
are prohibited from making any public statements or directing others to make any public statements that target the special counsel prosecuting the case, their staff, defense counsel or the defense staff, any of the court staff or other supporting personnel or any reasonably foreseeable witness or the substance of their testimony. So she took the liberty to include no disparaging marks about defense counsel um, or their staff, which... Okay, that was nice, although I don't think the defense counsel or the special prosecutors really asked for that. Um, And the fact that you can't criticize or that he can't criticize the special counsel prosecuting the case, I think is that's pretty egregious. I mean, this is clearly a political case, and she's just kneecapped their ability to point that out. So, um yeah, it's a I mean, it's it's limited in the, in the sense that it's only referring to the people involved in the court, like it's the court and the attorneys and the parties in the case. But it's a really big deal in the sense that a lot of Americans have a real serious problem with the special counsel and they want to criticize the actions of the special counsel. And they've now just prohibited President Trump from doing that. It doesn't it doesn't limit him from criticizing Joe Biden, though, which uh I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, you know, we've seen Donald Trump kind of uh, make a strong pivot towards the general election recently. Obviously, he'll take a small portion of all of his speaking events to dunk on Ron DeSantis one or two more times before he's out of the race, whether it be in days or weeks. Um, But, you know, being able to hit back at the people that are persecuting and prosecuting you as the former president both that are things that are unprecedented in, in the case of Donald Trump. It just seems weird that this was allowed to go through. I know Donald Trump can file a direct appeal to the Supreme Court if what I saw on social media yesterday was correct. Do you think he'll be doing that? Um, you know, I don't know. I think they probably will appeal the order. Um, I don't know who's, you know, who's going to weigh in on it or, or how they're going to change it, to be honest. I'm not terribly concerned about this. I think it's wrong and I think they should appeal it. But I think this is going to backfire the same way everything that Democrats do backfires. And I think what's going to end up happening is people who are not Donald Trump and people with a platform who traditionally have just not necessarily made their opinions about this case known or been terribly vocal about it. I think they're going to look at this order and say, you know what, he can't talk about it. Now I need to. And so I think there's going to be a lot more people talking. So yeah, I think they should appeal the order. Um, Whatever comes comes of it, I'm not too terribly worried about. Yeah, we've seen surrogates like Chris Lasavita, Stephen Chong, Jason. Yeah, Miller, uh, or even members of Congress. You know, members of Congress who like at, a lot of um, other politicians haven't wanted to weigh in or haven't been terribly vocal about it. One, because Donald Trump already has, uh, and two, it's not necessarily their lane. But I think we'll probably see more of them weigh in once they realize that President Trump can't can't do it anymore. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see. I think the Trump team will handle it accordingly, as I feel like they've done with most of the stuff in this campaign so far. I think this campaign yeah. is, is obviously, third time around, has definitely been the, <laughs> uh, I think, most effective as far as money management, the, the way Donald Trump is, is getting out on the campaign trail, who's he's addressing, et cetera. We've talked about it on the show extensively, Christina, that Donald Trump doesn't need to do, like, an airstrip rally every single week to get the same you know, leads in the polls that he's garnered so far. I think some more of these smaller intimate speaking events where he's talking to like uh, state and local GOP delegations with supporters there as well. And then getting out in the communities of, of at least the first five primary and caucus states heading up into super Tuesday states as well. 
has really done a great job of, of showing that not only has he not lost a step, but he's actually getting better as we're heading into the general election cycle not too far down the road. You're exactly right. He has changed his strategy just a little bit. I'm sure he'll still be holding the big rallies, but yeah. he really has focused on these small venues. Uh, he's hit Iowa, I think, like eight times now or, you know, some crazy number, which is great because he doesn't need to do that, but he does it to show the people of Iowa that he's interested in their local politics and he wants to get down to their level and talk to them. And he's doing that. And he's been in New Hampshire a bunch and he's been in South Carolina. You know, he's really hitting these early states. He'll be in New Hampshire again on Monday. And it was fun this morning. I was just looking through the Instagram feed and President Trump, of course, he's got amazing photographers and Andrew Hanks is one of my favorite. Uh, but his Instagram account, he's got so many amazing photos of these small little town hall events that are packed with people like wall to wall and everyone's happy and excited. And you see the Trump signs everywhere. And I mean, he's got hundreds, if not thousands of these photos on his feed. And I just couldn't help but wonder what Joe Biden's feed looked like. So I went to Joe Biden's Instagram page and all of the pictures on Joe, not all of them, but about 99% of them are pictures of Joe Biden. There are pictures of him standing at a podium or, you know, something with very, there's, I didn't see a single picture in, you know, I, I scrolled and scrolled and scrolled and I didn't see a single picture of a massive crowd, not even just a massive crowd, a room that was full. They're just he just doesn't have it. And President Trump, every single one of President Trump's posts are just support, 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 massive numbers. So whatever he's doing, he's doing it right. No, he is. And as we're going to jump into uh, our up to the minute coverage of the speaker's race, it is in the nine o'clock hour here on the West Coast afternoon on the on the on the east. And, and they have convened in the House of Representatives. The Republican conclave that's been going on for the last two weeks is over. Jim Jordan is the nominee. They will be taking votes on the floor today. I spoke with several congressmen and women over text message and direct message last night. Every one of them felt optimistic. However, I would say an overwhelming majority of them said we we're probably going to see a little bit of a shit show before we get to getting another speaker of the house. But we're going to jump right into this here and uh, start off with some audio of Jim Jordan, who was coming out of a meeting with New York Representative Mike Lawler late last night, was caught by a press gaggle. Let's hear him. Here's uh, publicly saying they would support us, uh, two great members uh, who do all kinds of great work. Um, so that was... Uh, that was that was really really big. So I feel I feel real good about the momentum we have, and I think we're, we're real close. So the vote's going to be tomorrow. Do you do you uh, will you go to the floor even if you don't have 270 votes locked down? That's all, that's how our system our great system works, um, and we will go to the floor tomorrow. Um, it's not about pressuring anybody. It's just about we got to have a speaker. You can open the house and do the work of the American people and help our dearest and closest friend Israel if you don't have a speaker. So we get the speaker. We, we get the House open and we get to work on uh, the resolution and, and supplemental for, for Israel. Um, and we get back to work for the American people. And that's what I'm committed to doing. Because, and I think it's going to happen tomorrow. Because you had said before you want to have 217 first. Well, I, I do think that's, that's ideal. But uh, as one of my colleagues said in the room, I don't know if, if there's any way to ever get that in the room. Mm -hmm. I would love that. But I think the only way to do this is the way the founders intended is you, uh, you have the vote tomorrow. Um, we've set it for 12 o'clock, and um, I feel real good about it. Well, you have more than one ballot if you don't get to 217 on the we're first. Gonna, we're going to elect the speaker tomorrow. That's that's uh, that's what I think is going to happen. So that's kind of where he left it last night. And, uh, Alan, I know that you're pretty involved in uh, – 
politics, not just with the shows that you host quite often, but uh, just in general. And to hear that one of the holdouts was New York Congressman, freshman Congressman Mike Lawler, and that him and Jim Jordan had an over an hour meeting privately last night, one on one. What does it say for the state of where kind of where the speaker race is right now? I'm, I'm pretty sure we're a little over 200 as they took the House floor, just finished the uh, Pledge of Allegiances, et cetera, and, and, and are getting things rolling. They'll probably have some open forum and uh, selling points before they actually do a formal vote. But, you know, seeing this is one of the guys who was holding this thing up and then leading a small delegation of freshman Congress uh, men and women with them as well. What do you think? I think they're all gutless, and I don't think they're um, – <laughs> I don't think they have their eyes open and realizing what the American voters all over the country want. We want a speaker. We see strength in Jim Jordan. Uh, we hope that there's strength in Jim Jordan. And, you know, this guy, Mike Lawler, does all of these media hits like he's some senior congressman and he's a nobody. Listen, I, I've been I've been calling his office since yesterday and this morning. I feel bad for the staffers that I've spoken to, several of them. And uh, they, their phones are melting, and I've been encouraging everyone over the last few days to flood their phone lines, flood their emails, and realize it's not about them, it's about us. Whether it's he represents your district or not, he's not even my congressman, but uh, I'm tired of how they are, they have this attitude of just self-serving and, and really not listening to the constituents. I mean, just go on any social media platform and realize that the American voters, or, or take a poll in your district, want Jim Jordan and he's you know going after Matt Gates because he thinks Matt Gates is selfish all of this infighting and it just makes us all look like uh like clowns and enough is enough already we need a speaker i'm hoping Jim Jordan is elected and uh does the right thing on so many levels including pushing things with the border and uh the January 6th defendants which um i'm real passionate about yeah very important to a lot of the base as well you know Jim Jordan did pick up some endorsements some other people picked up endorsements as well <laughs> rolling into the speaker chamber this morning. I saw late last night Rand Paul was doing some of the cable news uh, interview hits and gave his, I think it was a pretty good endorsement for Jim Jordan. President Trump also issued another statement this morning. He had endorsed Jordan back when he received the nomination last week. He was one of the people that was open to Jim Jordan being speaker back in January, but this morning before he went into a, a New York courthouse, uh, posted on Truth Social, Jim Jordan will be a great Speaker of the House. As everyone knows, I have long given him my complete and total endorsement. So kind of a reiteration there. There was also some weird ones I saw. Christina Allen and I were talking before we hit record today, and we saw that uh, you know somebody on the, on the Democrat side nominated George W. Bush to be Speaker. And I think uh, at a time when the Middle East is starting to heat up again, if you wanted to have somebody that would be in the uh, carpet bomb everybody caucus, it would definitely be W as far as that goes. But I also saw this morning Jamie Raskin's office put out a statement, and you guys are going to love this one. Listen to this. I would think that Liz Cheney would be a complete and uncompromised candidate, and if they couldn't vote for Liz Cheney, that would be a hell of a statement about the condition of the party in the caucus. She's talking about the Republicans in the House. It's starting Wait, who said that? Jamie Raskin. Oh, geez. <laughs> oh, it, it, it gets better, okay. Christina. It's starting to look like there is a consolidation of the party around Donald Trump and the MAGA wing. So I think the GOP right now might be a party of Trump. I'm hoping that cooler heads will prevail, but it would be a very extreme statement for them to choose Jim Jordan as speaker. And again, that was Jamie Raskin this morning. Lion Jamie Raskin. And uh, with his complete and total endorsement of Liz Cheney for Speaker of the House. So... 
Yeah, I also saw Mike Collins said if there's any plans with the Democrats by moderate or never Trumpers to nominate and uh, vote for Hakeem Jeffries to be speakers and they cross the 212 threshold, that he would be immediately issuing a motion to vacate. So that's kind of where we're at on endorsements. We are going to go into some of the uh, negative press that MAGA and you know people in the uh, Trump aligned portions of the party picked up last night, namely I Patch McCain. Dan Crenshaw sat down with fake news Jake Tapper yesterday, and they were talking about the speaker race and, and blaming it on everybody but themselves. Let's hear it. Let's bring McCarthy back, and either that happens or McHenry gets it by default. Is that possible, you think? Anything's possible. These are very unlikely. Uh, McCarthy has to actually want to run. Um, there's Out of protest, some, some members will vote for McCarthy. He, he has no intention of running. Uh, Jordan has, has been a true ally to McCarthy, uh, at, at least from everything I've seen uh, and, and what McCarthy is saying now. And what, what I would remind a lot of uh, the members who are against Jordan, um, you know, because, because his, his reputation precedes him, but his reputation has changed over time. He has become part of the solution, not part of the problem. He has long since been part of the solution. I've had a lot of, a lot of good conversations with him. I've gotten to know him. Uh, there, there, there's a reason I support him. Um, he was trying giving to... McHenry additional powers. Well, that still requires that still requires a, a, a vote, you know. And what kind of powers? I mean, at a certain point, you're just electing him speaker. Yeah. And so, it, and he doesn't want that. He's asking us not to do. Jake that. Tapper looks very displeased. I mean, he defied the congressional subpoena, and he was trying to get Pence to overturn the electoral votes. But oh. anyway, you're you're in the you're in the Jordan camp. <laughs> well, uh, but a lot of them did that. If I if I held that grudge, I'd, I wouldn't have friends in right, the Republican two, conference. That's two thirds oh. of the, a lot of you them. Don't. That's two that, of the conference. So. That's a, that's a, that's an excellent point. Uh, <laughs> I was I was on an island there. Yeah. I, so you saw how that one kind of uh, went downhill fast. I don't know. What do you guys think? It seems like every single thing that or every single person they're going to nominate here to wield the speaker gavel that's not Kevin McCarthy is going to be Trump aligned, election overturners, uh, you know, this, that, and the other thing. I think that it's uh, pretty silly to not be focused on the things that the American people want. Number one, their government open. Number two, the slim majority in the Republican House working towards comparable goals and pushing back against the Biden agenda. But it just seems like that's the, the furthest thing from most of these people's minds. What do you guys think? I think that's right. I think um, Jim Jordan is probably the only one who will get through. Uh, we've got pretty stark divides on the Republican side in the House. And Jim Jordan has been one who has navigated all of that pretty well. And so if you're going to have these rhino holdouts, okay, so be it. But then they're all going to get primaried. And quite honestly, I'm I'm okay with that too. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. But I uh, I think at the end of the day, when all is said and done and President Trump is back in the White House and all of this craziness is behind us, I think Matt Gates will at that point get the credit that he deserves for ousting McCarthy. I think people, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I think we'll look back on this and see it was played out exactly the way that it, it needed to play out. Um, and I think I think everyone will, everyone, not just those of us that get it, but I think everyone will applaud Matt Gates for what he did. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm just keeping everybody up to the minute here. It's now entering the uh, 1 p.m. hour on the East Coast, and House leadership chair Elise Stefanik, congresswoman out of New York, has just nominated Jim Jordan for speaker, so they will be doing the formal vote soon. Um, Alan, before we get to you, I want to play, you know, she did talk about that never Trump part of the Republican Party. She also talked about primary season, which is going to be coming up here soon. We're going to listen to a congressman who 
won his House seat again, and he comes from a district where Donald Trump won the election by 21-plus points. Let's hear it. Let's put us in the spot. So my main concern is, as an American, we believe in the rule of law and fairness. And we had a small group of folks who broke our rules and got rid of Kevin. And then a small group broke our rules and blocked Steve. Now they want us to follow the rules and support Joe. And I don't like that. I don't play a game where the other guy can break the rules and win. And as an American, I just stand up against that. But that's what's happened. We've had a, a minority of the majority dictate all of us, and it's unacceptable. So what is, I'm going to stand up and defend Kevin and Steve, because this is wrong what happened. So what's the end game? Like, how, how does it play out? The end, game, the end game is a small group of people need to say need to see that some of us will not just be walked over on this. And we've been walked on since January. Oh, so that means no Jordan to speak or Yeah, that's right. You're going to oppose Jordan on multiple ballots, to be clear. Well, we'll take it one at a time, but I'm an Asshole. That was Nebraska, I'm air quoting now, Republican Don Bacon, who again won re-election last year in a Trump plus 21 district. And, you know, Alan, when, when you hear stuff like that and when you see some of the stuff he's posted on his social media, I saw late last night he put one out. I may never Jordan vote. I was this, that, and the other thing in the military. I was deployed to Iraq like four or five times, and uh, I know how to hold the line. It just seems like... You know, we don't necessarily need his vote for Jim Jordan to become speaker, but at the same time, what does that say to the people in your district as far as trying to uh, fulfill the mandate that they sent you to Congress to do? That that he doesn't give a crap about his constituents. This guy, I, he said something about he's a five-time commander or something like that. And excuse my French, but he is a useless bag of shit when it comes to doing what the constituents want. And he says he's going to defend Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise because he's another guy who's who I'll lump in that uniparty group that it's business as usual for them. And, and, and we don't want business as usual as the American voter. We want action. We want change. We want the uniparty and the establishment to be broken. Listen, I'm a MAGA Republican and I want nothing more than to hijack the Republican Party from these establishment cucks that are running around self-serving themselves it's about we the people like i've had enough and most i think i spoke i speak for a majority of you know real america loving conservative voters out there guys like this guy don bacon need to be primaried and and we need america first candidates and and in everywhere no it's the truth and you know when you when you think about you know some of the stuff that's gone on and you've seen like you know we played a clip of dan crenshaw who was definitely not in favor of this just a you know a little bit less than a week ago, who's now kind of come on board. But then you have people like Don Bacon, who's been in Congress a very long time. Uh, he had a military career before that. You know, obviously he probably runs on stars and stripes and, and the American people and all of his campaigns. And then he gets up there and he just turns into something that's essentially worse than the Democrats, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, it really is. It, it really is. And I, I fully expect that this will be the end of his career. If people don't rise up and primary him on this, then I am sadly disappointed in the people because I, you know, I consider Nebraska one of the reddest states in the country. And I would hope that they actually do their homework and that they don't just elect someone because there's an R behind their name, but they actually know what they stand for and they actually stand for conservative values. So I suspect that uh, this congressman will regret this decision. Yeah, moving on, uh, you know, the, one of the people who got us into this situation, I'm thankful for it. Florida Congressman Matt Gates uh, jumped on Newsmax last night to kind of give us his take in an up-to-minute 
look. Before we get into his audio, I just want to remind everybody, wherever you're listening today, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio, please make sure you're subscribed to the show. All of our content is 100% free. All you have to do is hit the follow button, make sure the show is downloading, helps us out in the top 100. It helps us out in the application algorithms and also brings us up as a suggestion sooner. Also across social medias, Twitter, get our true social and Instagram. Find the Steak for Breakfast account, follow us and hit the notification bell. As I mentioned earlier in the show, we got some great guests coming in here. We're going to hear from Mike Collins, who jumped in with us today, just before he entered the House Chambers. We're also going to be sitting down with the official spokeswoman of MAGA, none other than Liz Harrington, who consequently always seems to be a guest on the show when Christina Bob is scheduled. So <laughs> it's going to be an absolute heater as well. We also had Eli Crane and Andy Big scheduled today, depending on the shenanigans that happen up on Capitol Hill. I'm assuming that they'll probably join us for our Friday edition of the show. But, hey, if they wind up in the uh, final production, it, it we'll consider it a win for us today. If not, you guys get the big W on our Friday edition. So let's hear Congressman Gates as he was on Newsmax last night. Very excited about Speaker-designate Jim Jordan. The opposition to Jim Jordan has dwindled down to the single digits. And if we are able to convince just a few more colleagues to uh, go with the rest of the Republican Congress in getting Jim Jordan the speakership, I don't think there'll be a single viewer of Greg Kelly reports who doesn't appreciate the upgrade that we made at the position of Speaker of the House. I think you're going to see it right away in our oversight work. Subpoenas that were bottled up are going to get out the door. I think we're going to be able to finally get a subpoena to Hunter Biden. And my hope is that we'll be able to put some downward pressure on all of this spending. I just saw a report today that you know we had tens of thousands of Americans just this past month go into bankruptcy up 18% from a year ago. Bidenomics isn't working for people and the House of Representatives is the only institution in our federal government that people can place any hope in when you look at the Schumer-controlled Senate and an administration spending more money, more weaponized against our fellow Americans. So Jim Jordan will be a great and inspiring leader. We got a little more work to do, but we feel like we got the wind at our back. And I don't see anything wrong with what he's saying there. It seems like that's kind of an honest assessment yet. I did see it was like eight or nine people who were either still no, I believe that was six, and then the rest were like leaning no, have to see how it shakes out, undecided. There was one who's not going to be in attendance today, meaning it'll take 217 to wield the gavel at the end of the day. I don't know, guys. What do you think? Uh, I think the job that Matt Gates was able to accomplish, I think, kind of has lost a little bit of its steam in the news cycle. But when you talk about the consequences is long-term moving forward. I think it sets a new precedent for speakers. Obviously, it was the first time ever having someone to motion to vacate during the an actual in-session portion of Congress. You, you also take into consideration that the American people don't often see accountability up on Capitol Hill. And when you figure that at least these seven or eight people who went in and, and voted with the Democrats to remove Kevin McCarthy as speaker were actually adhering to the promises that they made to our their districts when they went and ran for Congress. And that's if you don't fulfill just some of the basic promises that you worked with leadership on back in January, you can't expect to make it to the end of the year and still be Speaker of the House, especially when you see a lot of the bending of the knee that Kevin McCarthy, you know, was able to accomplish with Joe Biden and passing some of his crappiest leg legislation, to say the least. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. Uh, as I said before, I think Matt Gates at the end of all of this will be heralded as a hero. And uh, the comment that you uh, were discussing earlier, Roan, the, the the Rhino members, the establishment members of the Republican Party in Congress right now are recognizing that the MAGA movement is in control of the Re Republican Party. 
Trump is in control of the MAGA movement and they say, oh, we're not going to be bullied. We're not going to be bullied. No, you're not going to be bullied. You're going to be primaried and removed. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Alan, you feel the same way. I know you're extremely passionate about this. Yes, I'm all about primarying, but I am also about bullying, bullying, <laughs> them, bully them and shame them all out of office and everyone who supports them. We need more MAGA Republicans and America first people in Congress. And I think we will be celebrating. Oh, I'm, I'm celebrating what Matt Gates did. It took a lot of guts. And that shows that he's not self-serving and stood up yep. to the entire Republican conference, mostly uh, with established members in it. And uh, and really, really showed some guts and they will blame him for voting with Democrats and working with them. But that's all nonsense. And uh, it should it should send a message throughout the uh, the establishment. Yeah, yep. de definitely shooting some shockwaves through not only Capitol Hill, but out. And I think it will affect the general election cycle. Now, you, you've seen politicians booed a lot more publicly uh, just in the last six months than you have. I, I'd say in the entirety of the time that I followed it, which is decades in, you know, the people are really reeling at home right now. And I think that. It's one of the things in leadership on the Republican side that Kevin McCarthy, he made a lot of assurances. You know, not only did he drop the ball on, on limit, save, grow, but there was also the promise to the American people he ran on back in the 2022 midterm election cycle. And, you know, he's got nobody to blame other than himself. We're going to have one more audio clip before we're cutting with Christina Bob and jumping in with Georgia Congressman Mike Collins. Consequently, it is Kevin McCarthy as he was on Fox Business this morning, kind of given his perspectives on, on what the day is going to look like. Let's hear him. Prediction is Jim will win this and even on the first round of votes. Mm. Uh, but you got to understand why do we have this chaos is because Matt Gates and uh -oh. seven other Republicans uh -oh. joined with every single Democrat to take out the Republican speaker. Uh -oh. Can you imagine that, Sean? No. Joining with every single Democrat to try to take out the speaker and created this chaos simply for the fact that I believe to this day, and I will go down and believe it's the right decision, our troops are sitting in, in the Mediterranean right now. They, their family just got paid. And could you imagine if we followed Matt Gates and not made sure that our troops were being paid, oh. that we're asking him to defend this country while they're wondering if their loved ones are going to be able to pay the car payment or pay their rent or their house payment. I thought that was wrong, but that's the direction Matt Gates wanted to take us. So he joined all the Democrats to bring us this chaos with no plan in place. And I'm telling you, it harms us, as you know, Sean, having won a seat that a Democrat had, having helped us win the majority and how tough it is to. And think of this. Matt Gates provides the same amount of money to the NRCC, our political arm, that Nancy Pelosi provides. Zero. Oh. Well, Try harder, Kevin. Yeah, that's it. Cope harder, too. It's one of those things. There's no love lost between the two. But as you can tell, using keywords like chaos and then using key, you know, emotionally stimulating talking points like servicemen and women not getting paid. Yeah, it, it's one of those. I didn't hear anything about accountability. And, and we for no. a long time have documented why Kevin McCarthy is no longer the speaker. I know Christina wants to jump in on this. Let's hear it. I'm sorry. I'm just like, oh, so aggravated by this. He's gaslighting. He's absolutely gaslighting the people. The reasons that he said that Matt Gates 
removed him as speaker are not the reasons that he was removed as speaker. He was removed as speaker because he didn't have single subject uh, spending bills because he continued to want to fund Ukraine. And he wanted to pass the continued resolution because the American people don't want that. They don't want these crazy spendings. They don't want us going into debt. And then I think there were a handful of other reasons that Matt has been very vocal about the reasons why he's removing Kevin McCarthy. And Kevin McCarthy decides to go out, cry about it to, was that Sean Hannity, I assume? No, it it, it was somebody, it was a panel on Fox Business, but he only knew who the guy was. And every time oh, he only, okay. every time he mentioned the girl, the guy, the girl would like look over at the guy commentator and then look back at the camera like, does he not see me? No, okay. Well, whoever he was talking to, uh, he just wants to go on TV and cry about it and gaslight his constituents. When in reality, he should just go back to California and stay there. Yep. Just going to say this. With chaos brings accountability. And we need the chaos to hold yep. these people accountable. That's, That's right. it. With chaos, chaos brings accountability. And we needed that because now Kevin McCarthy's being held accountable. And he's going to go back and he's going to cry to all of his big donors. And he's going to try to dump money into America First uh, candidate uh, uh, races against them so that he can support establishment candidates with his donors to beat these people. He's going to target Matt Gates and he's going to target all of these other MAGA Republican congressmen, uh, America first congressmen. And, uh, you know, we just have to be aware of that. But again, we need the chaos to bring accountability. And Kevin McCarthy, you're done. You're done. You've been got. Hey, you want to hear about accountability. So this is how the first round of voting, and it looks like Jim Jordan's not going to get there on the first round. However, I will give you guys a little one big highlight that came out. We already talked about him. Nebraska Congressman Don Bacon voted for Kevin McCarthy, even though he was not nominated for Speaker of the House. And someone in the chamber yelled out very loudly and clearly, dumbass, after he cast his vote. So that's kind of where we're at right now. It is an absolute shit show, as some of our congressmen and women who spoke with me before the show started today alluded to. However, I do think there's going to be a lot of grandstanding and virtue signaling before we eventually get to a speaker. Everyone that's kind of going in thinks we're going to get one today. I don't see a a kind of co-op happening with the Democrats, but we'll keep you updated as the show goes on. We'll get a preview from Mike Collins in just a second. But before we do, Christina Bob, always awesome sitting down with you. I get so jealous whenever I see you on somebody else's show. I wish we could have you on here every week. Your schedule doesn't allow it. I I, I gotta admit, I talked to Noah. I said, hey, she's been on Drinking Bros podcast a couple times. Like, do you think she's actually cheating on us? I've been on that show twice. I've been on your show like a couple dozen times. We keep tabs here. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Roan. I know. I'm sorry, Roan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll do it again. Let's do it again. No, I, I do. I love coming on your show. You guys are some of my favorite podcasts and, um, no, I think this is awesome. I love you guys, and I always appreciate the opportunity to come on. Just do our listenership one favor. In addition to uh, live linking your book in the show description today and the Trump campaign, we want you to shamelessly plug it real quick before we cut with you. Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. If we had video, you could see Alan doing his Vanna White impression of the book. It's great. Thanks, Alan. You got it. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks, guys. No, thank you. And then anywhere we could check you out on social media? Uh, Christina underscore Bob, Instagram and Twitter, and then Christina Bob on Truth. Ladies and gentlemen, author, attorney, friend, Miss Christina Bob, thanks for joining us on the show. Gang, we're getting ready to jump in with Mike Collins. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. I think it's time we had a conversation about a good night's sleep. Pillow King of Minnesota, Mike Lindell, and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family, has been cranking out savings down at MyPillow for over 20 years. And for the first time in 20 years, they've changed the long-standing MyPillow and now have the MyPillow version 2.0. You enter promo code STAKE at checkout, you're going to get buy one, get one free. In addition to that, they've got great savings on all things like 
MyPillow Dog Beds, the Air Lindell version 1 and 2 My Slippers, and Giza Dream Everything. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available on the bean, the bag, and the pod. When you need a promo code stake here, you're going to get 25% off your order or 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak, or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Tuesday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. He's the congressman who represents Georgia 10, one of our favorites, who's been around for the entire ride of his congressional career so far. Mr. Mike Collins, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, appreciate it, man. And you know, I've never heard it put quite that way, but you're exactly right. We were uh, thrilled. A whole nine months. That's it. Well, no, that's not true because we, we, we were part of your backstory as well. As soon as we found that uh, you had jumped back in the race in Georgia 10, we were excited to start getting you back on the show, and we had you on often. Yeah, that's true. You're right there. So we're, we like to consider ourselves part of the day one reels right there. And uh, yeah. only our listenership knows that. But, uh, Congressman, thanks for coming on the show. Busy last couple of weeks, busy last couple of days heading into the speaker vote later on today. Do you want to kind of give our listenership a little bit of an update on how this process has gone on, both publicly in the media and then behind closed doors, without giving too many of the details away, the, how we've gotten to this point where it seems like an overwhelming majority is supporting Jim Jordan, but still maybe not enough to get the speaker gavel into his hand today? Yeah, and and, and I think over the weekend, I think they've done a lot of uh, phone calling and, and networking and, and getting people on board, which they needed to. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're a very um family-like caucus and meaning that we've got a lot of different families in this conference and uh so you know they had to uh to make sure that some of the people that were that uh, had been siding with other people in this race uh that uh, they understood what we need to do is coalesce around someone and someone who got the majority in the last voting that we did in our conference was was Jim Jordan he's a great guy uh, he'll make a great speaker, and uh, we need to go ahead and get him in that seat so that we can get back to work. Because, Ron, you know, uh, we have been sitting around here for over two and a half weeks. We've got appropriation bills that have not been looked at, have not been voted on. We've got hot spots all over this world uh, that we need to be paying attention to. And instead, we have been doing infighting with actually with some good people that we know would make good speakers at the end of the day. No, I think that's the the you're hitting it right on the head there, Congressman. And you know, you mentioned the, the families up on Capitol Hill, especially within the Republican Caucus. You're talking about obviously the Study Committee, the Freedom Caucus, the Problem Solvers Committee, the oh, Republican yeah. Governors <laughs> Governance Group, and then the uh, yeah. the K Street Main Caucus. Street. <laughs> yep, there there they are. So you know, a lot of the America First Congressmen and women who come on the show kind of sneak one of those in the house freedom caucus and the rest of the five families. But, uh, you know, I saw Jim Jordan formally put it out in a letter to all of his colleagues today, how it's time for, I guess we're calling it a sit down and, uh, you know, hopefully we won't have any incidents at an Italian restaurant, but we definitely want to be able to, uh, get to a disposition that has somebody, namely Jim Jordan wielding that speaker gavel by the end of the day today, which is my next question. Do you think we're going to be able to whip the last couple votes? I believe it's somewhere around 10, probably less at this point now to uh, get enough of them to come over and, and make sure that, you know, at the end of the day, it's Congress going back to work. Yeah. You know, and, and if it were me personally and, and I were down into that range, that, that 10 to 12 range, I would take it to the floor. I would go ahead and, and move to the floor and uh, and and have that vote. 
there it's different when you stand up in public in the house with all those cameras on you and everybody back in your district uh, looking at you when you put when you cast that vote than what it is when you're just writing on a secret ballot. Uh, whether or not you're going to support the candidate who got the majority of the votes in the conference. Yeah, that's it right there. And, you know, you mentioned some of the stuff that's popping off all around the world. I mean, one of the main stories that's encompassed the 24-hour cycle outside of things here, like the southern border, is what's happened over the last two weeks between Israel and Hamas. Obviously, we saw the attack by Hamas last weekend, which led to you know, well over a thousand people dead, many more kidnapped yeah. and, and, you know, taken hostage. But as you see this conflict continuing to escalate, how important is it for the Republicans in their, in their small majority to be able to get back to work and start leading on issues like, you know, things pertaining to this? Well, it, it's not only important as a Republican conference or a U.S. House of Representatives, but it's important to me personally as my faith and as, as our faith as a Christian nation. Uh, you know, it says in the Bible in two different areas, Genesis and Psalms, that those that bless Israel will be blessed. And it is our job as the United States to not only bless, but to bless and protect Israel. And uh, we need to get make sure that we are in the houses in session so that we can do simple things, not just pass resolutions, but make sure that they have the munitions, the ammunition that they need to protect themselves, make a decisive blow against these terrorists, these barbaric people, and wipe them off the face of the map if that's what they wish to do. And we need to be standing right there. And I can assure you, me personally, and as a representative of this house, I'm standing right there with them and always will be. Yeah, it's, it just seems like at this point right now, uh, you know, there shouldn't be any questions on where your allegiances lie, which, you know, leads me to another point I kind of want to make. You have seen others, mostly from the other side of the aisle, display some pretty despicable acts since the attack by Hamas last weekend. Congressman, you know, Rashida Tlaib had a uh, Palestinian flag outside of her congressional office. You've also seen some very soft support for the terrorist organization from other men and women in Congress on the Democrat side out on social media platforms like X, formerly Twitter. I mean, we refer to them. I, I think you could agree here that's part of the Hamas caucus in the House right now. And when, when you see other people who are elected officials that are supposed to be representing not only their constituents, but the United States as a whole, uh, yeah. you know, performing these theatrics up on Capitol Hill in such a dire time. I mean, the videos that went out don't even speak to the nature of the actual atrocities that have happened. And then the fighting that's gone on since not only that, but there's many American uh, citizens who are held captive by Hamas right now. And it doesn't seem like we have a comprehensive plan yet to get them back. So, so when you see some of your fellow congressmen and women act in this way, things that you guys might at some point have to come together on legislation on, how, how disheartening is that to see that, that that's the mentality that they've taken up to Capitol Hill and that's how they want to portray themselves as part of the American government? You know, it's, it's not only disheartening, but it just shows the importance of how bad we need to get back to work in the U.S. House of Representatives because people look at us all around the world. They may not necessarily know that there's some fringe organization of the, the even the Democrat Party. All they see is House of Representatives, a representative of the U.S. government and the people of America out there stating that they are in favor of Hamas or, or, or these terrorist organizations. And we need to make sure that the world knows that America is standing strong with Israel. And we do that by getting back to work. We do that by making sure that they're funded, making sure that we're out there speaking on their behalf and letting the world know exactly where we stand as a body. Otherwise, you're going to get people like that that are, they, they, you know, 
the news media loves to show stuff like that, and uh, and they'll get more play all day with uh, with some of the antics that they're pulling on. Yeah, I don't know if you know this or not, Congressman, but I'm going to let you in on not only one of your coworkers, but a, a positive story on that very bleak situation that happened over the course of last week that involved us, actually. So we had a friend who was featured in a New York Post article. She was a former member of the Department of Homeland Security in the Trump administration. She had gone to Israel with a church group, had become first stranded and then essentially abandoned by the Biden State Department. And a mutual friend of hers reached out to us, and after pinging a couple people who regularly come on our show— uh, that worked in the previous administration, you know, members who worked in the State Department, congressmen and women. I came across Corey Mills. Long story short, he was in Israel. Uh, my friend was part of the first group that he was able to rescue and bring to safety. She's home now in the United States. And that was just one of the feel-good stories of the weekend. Now, when you talk about the jobs that you guys have, have gone up there and have done greatly since the start of session on the Republican side, especially the America First congressmen and women like yourself, Mike, you know, when you see Corey Mills, you know, in a very hot zone, making sure and pretty much against the wishes of our government at that point to be able to safely get American men and women out of there, you know, basically on his own accord. What can you say about the people who really go up there with the intent to work and, and not just be part of sometimes the theatrical performance that winds up happening up on Capitol Hill between people who just go on TV for, you know, two minute talking points? No, I think it shows a true desire uh, on, on whoever that is it, to me to be effective and to make a difference whether it's voting the right way or taking up and and in his case and he's good at what he does that he's done that before he did that in Afghanistan yep. Yep. and when when he sees a problem and if the administration is not going to address it and they really haven't no uh then he he's going to take it upon himself be it as a US congressman or a private citizen to go do that and and to to jump in there and join in and help where he can and uh, that just speaks volumes for somebody as a person, uh, not just as someone who is uh, representing the 7th District of Florida, as he likes to say. And uh, he is a good person. He's a personal friend of mine. So, you know, I'm probably uh, probably a little biased on it, but uh, he is definitely a, a, a true uh, American uh, that uh, enjoys service and uh, to an extent is a good hero right now. Yeah, he certainly is. You know, it's been great coming and becoming friends, you know, yeah. not just on getting commentary on what's going on up on Capitol Hill, Mike, but getting to know you guys and hear about your guys' families and your stories over the course of the last couple of years. And, and I feel like there's a strong group of that freshman class, yourself included, obviously, Corey Mills, people like Eli Crane, who we've just got a great relationship with. Their staff really enjoys when you guys come on the show. I think our listenership gets to hear a little bit more insight than they normally do when you do a quick television hit. And I think that's kind of the things that puts a human face on, on, on the congressman and women who are really working hard that, you know, it's so easy just to take pot shots at people to say, like, do something yeah. or get to work or close the border who don't know how a vote-based system works with, a, you know, a slim majority and the other two branches being in Democrat hands. You know, I explain, like, things like the border to our listenership in the context, like, you know, that House bill, which is probably the most comprehensive border security bill, got passed in the House, could pass the Senate. Let's just say a miracle happens in Joe Biden passes it, there's still a chance that Alejandro Mayorkas wouldn't adhere to any of the principles in it, much like he has with court rulings, with changing policy of Customs and Border Patrol throughout the course of his tenure as the DHS secretary. So it's not just passing a bill, which means things get fixed. It's the follow through and the hard work and the commitment that you guys yeah. make to the American people that is really what's going to make the actual changes that we need to get this country back on the right track. 
You know, you're exactly right. And, and, and that in turn goes into where it's so important that we get back to the appropriations process. You know, you think, Ron, how did, how did we get here? What all led up to where we're at today? Was it the fact that, uh, we went back to being energy dependent where we're spending billions of dollars with, with people that hate us, be it even now Venezuela, but you take Iran, we've been buying oil from them. Which in turn they've been able to spend that money. I don't the, the six billion dollars that 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 they unfroze and then they kind of refroze. That's one thing. Yeah, they probably use that as a lot like a line of credit. Uh, the five hundred million that they gave directly to Hamas. But the fact that we went from being energy independent back to energy dependent. The fact that we have a military now that is more focused on social agendas about being woke. You don't think that the world is watching that? The fact that we were so weak on how we withdrew from Afghanistan, you know, the fact that our border is wide open. Yeah, people see that. China sees that. You realize we've got a, a fellow freshman, Jim Moylan. He's uh, He represents one of the territories, Guam, as a matter of fact. And we were sitting in our, our freshman conference last week, and the guy is literally shaking. The NDAA is about to run out. We haven't had our conference yet. And and they know that China is sitting there in those Marshall Islands. They would love to do nothing but to take over the Indo-Pacific. Yep. But yet they can't they they can't do anything because we fund their 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 defense. Their their people get paid that, that are over there defending them. That that's all tied up in NDA. So we've got so much tied up in the fact that the House has got to get back to doing appropriations. And and there's I, there's two sides to this appropriations. We can tackle those that border issue, not just on funding of, of Homeland Security, but we can go in and start knocking out some of these rules and some of these regs, things that we don't like that they're out there funding and, and with, with no regard uh, to, to the American people because they haven't had any accountability. You know, it's crazy for 10 years that we passed omnibus bills up here, just widen up suitcases full of cash and throwing it some federal uh, agency so that my can use it at will. And that's the type stuff that's got to stop, but it doesn't stop until we get past this step right here, which is getting our speaker put back up in place. Yeah, which is the last point I want to make with you, Congressman. So we put out a poll on our social media over the weekend. I'm going to read the results from the X one. And that just basically asked, we will have speaker Jim Jordan by Tuesday, 23%. This week, 25%. Who knows? 39%. Never 13%. It seems like the American public, especially the ones that interact with us on social media, kind of fall into the demographic of America first, think that they've become, you know, kind of complacent with expecting, not knowing when the results are going to happen based off of some of the stuff that's happened with Congress now. Do you feel like as we're going to go through this week and go through the motions right here, we're going to have someone wield the speaker gavel and you guys be getting back to work, let's just say, at least by the end of this week? You know, um, I've had a lot of people say to me, do I, do I sound frustrated? I'm very frustrated. Sure. Um, man, I'm a businessman. You know, we have a problem. We address it. We determine what the solution is. We fix it and we move on. Um, up here, it's a lot different. You, you got so many people that play their own different angle. You know, politics up here is, I mean, when they say it's, it's tough, it's brutal. Um, and it's a blood sport. Yeah, it is. 
And, uh, and, and but right now we don't we don't need this to be going on. There, there's just way too many things happening in this world right now, not just here, that uh, we need to fix this today. The good Lord willing, we'll do it. And then uh, that small percentage of your polling uh, will feel good about it. Uh, but we don't need to leave here this week and, until that happens. And, you know, that's I, I know we talked about it as soon as I, I, I got on with you, but that's the reason it, it, Jim Jordan couldn't take uh, the the vote to the floor last Friday, if I remember right. Yep. Uh, and, and that was because we had uh, 11 members of the Republican conference had already left to go home. <laughs> and if we'd have taken it to the floor, we'd have only had 209 people maximum. And the Democrats would have had 212 sitting on the floor. So you would have had a Hakeem Jeffries for speaker. So we need to make sure that everybody is here. Everybody stays here. I don't care how long it takes. And then once we get this done, we need to stay here again. I'm all for fly. You need to fly in on Sunday night. Be ready to go to work by 7 a.m. Monday morning, just like the rest of America. And then by God, we'll stay here till Friday night. 10 p.m. I don't care what time. We can stay here through Saturday. I, I've worked six, seven days a week all my life, but we don't need to be up here for three days and then go home. That just is, it's not going to get it done. We're already working on a tight uh, timeline now, less than 35 days before this CR runs out. So what's next? So we need to get everybody here, get this speaker in place this week, get back to work and stay at work. Oh, that's it right there. You know, and, and believe me, for how much time it's taken to get to the vote, I, the last thing that the American public wants to hear is that you guys are working on another short-term continuing resolution heading into the holidays because that will basically put a Band-Aid over and through the beginning of January. And at that point, you know, you guys have a lot more time to work on appropriations, but at the same time, it's not with the same drive and ambition that the American people want to see because one of the big talking points that's always hit, especially in the mainstream media, is Speaker McCarthy got motion to vacate it because nine months to get this done, fill in the blank. You know, obviously didn't get it done, didn't work fast enough, didn't get the committees in session, and uh, we don't want to see new leadership doing the exact same thing. So, no. you know, if, if you, I hate to break in on you, but, but, you know, when we get through this process, we need to sit down as a conference, November, December and look back to see what happened. And by God, don't make that mistake again, because next year I do not want to be sitting here talking to you, explaining why we haven't done our appropriations bills again. Now, you give me one time, that's fine, but you get me again, that's on me and that's my fault. So when we get through this, we better iron out what it takes to get our appropriations done, and then we better do it. You know, this talk of, well, the Senate won't do this or the White House won't do I don't have control of the Senate. We don't have control of the White House. You know what we got control of? The House of Representatives. You do your job and you do it well, the American people will see that. Absolutely. They're smart enough to figure that out, and then they can make the adjustments coming forward from that. No, that's it right there. And, and, you know, next year at this point, getting close on the Halloween season and heading into the holidays, I want to be sitting down with you guys talking about how you're getting ready to, you know, continue the good works that you've done since the speaker gavel changed, the uh, amount of House representatives you're looking to add in next year's election, uh, winning back the Senate, and and obviously having President Trump, who you've endorsed, uh, returning to the White House that's in it. January of 2025. So, Congressman, as always, an absolute pleasure and great sitting down with you today. We're going to live link your congressional website in the show description, but for anyone that wants to follow you on social media, where can they check you out? 
they, they can find us at uh, Mike Collins Rip. And we'll live link that in the show description today yeah. as well. Always a pleasure sitting down with Georgia 10 finest, one of the finest reps up on Capitol Hill, period. Mr. Mike Collins, thanks for joining us today. Hi, right, man. Appreciate it. Good talking to you. Look, this is not your father's Republican Party. 30% of it is made up of these MAGA Republicans who are maybe democracy is something I don't, they don't look at it the same way you and I look at democracy. Because of what we're seeing in the Middle East, is the threat of terrorism in the United States increased? Yes, I had a meeting this morning with the Homeland Security people, with the FBI, for the Situation Room for the better part of an hour to discuss how we make sure that we prevent a lone wolf and or any co- coordinated effort to try to do what was done in synagogues before, do what was done to Jews in the street. And so we're, 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 we're making a major effort to make sure that doesn't happen. Are you sure that you want to run again? Yes, because I'm sure. Look, when I ran, I said the world's at an inflection point. The world's changing, but we have an opportunity to make it. So imagine if we were able to succeed in getting the Middle East put in place where we have normalization of relations I think we can do that. Imagine what happens if we, in fact, unite all of Europe and Putin is finally put down where he cannot cause the kind of trouble he's been causing. We have enormous opportunities. All right, jumping back into the news now, and it was great sitting down with Georgia Congressman Mike Collins to kind of give us a preview of where we're at at the Speaker of the House vote, which, as teased, has turned into an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, Not only did you have several people vote or candidates who weren't nominated, like Kevin McCarthy and Lee Zeldin from two delegates out of New York. Uh, You have Hakeem Jeffries and Jim Jordan deadlocked at nine votes, separating them from taking the speaker gavel. So we'll keep you up to date on everything that's going on there as the show kind of rolls through. I want to remind everybody we're going to be sitting down with Liz Harrington a little bit later in the show, cover all the stuff going on in Trump world and bring you guys up to date on everything going on with the president. Do you want to have a programming note, though? Both Andy Biggs and Eli Crane, representatives out of Arizona, respectively, have pushed to our Friday edition of the show solely for the fact that Jim Jordan did not get the gavel in the first vote. And now with all the theatrics going on on the House floor, it's pushed it almost nearly to the 2 p.m. hour on the East Coast, which is going to prevent them from becoming uh, interviews on the show today, which is completely fine because I'd rather have it as the dust settles than kind of in the moment where we can't give you guys any you know, pertinent news. They would only be able to speculate where this was going. And by Friday, I'm assuming that we're going to have a lot better picture on how this looks. But again, like most people in the media, I could be wrong. All right, we're going to be tracking a little bit on the latest in Israel as they're getting ready for their ground operation into Gaza. Alan, I know you've had some pretty pointed commentary on this. We on the show have kind of laid it out for our listenership as like, listen, we all know that there was some horrible atrocities that happened in Israel last weekend that doesn't take away from the fact that both sides have been relatively inhumane to each other over the course of several decades several hundred years thousands of years if you want to get biblical on it but here's the deal it's not for me and noah you coming on the show or any of our guests to kind of tell anybody where their convictions where their support or or where everything should lie i mean obviously you know what happened 
last weekend in Israel was one of the worst things that I've ever seen. Uh, when I mean, just some of the videos that have come out in the media and a lot of the ones that aren't going to make it to the media that you got to look for on social media or ones that have been sent to our podcast show some of the most vicious and inhumane atrocities that I've ever seen in my life. However, it doesn't mean that I'm going to go out there like Ben Shapiro and, and call anybody who doesn't line up with the mainstream media narrative or, or whatever, you know, a congressman or woman's pushing down your throat as like, you know, the way to be. And if you don't do that, you're a Jew hater or anything like that. I really think it's up to the listenership to kind of hear commentary on it, see the key players and how they're involved and how this whole situation is taking shape and then go out and make their own opinion. That's kind of what we try to profess here on the show. We're not trying to force feed you a narrative. We're giving you a plate of food and then you're going to take items off that plate, especially if it's steak for breakfast and then formulate your own opinion and create your own biases on it based off of, you know, your own free will and things. So how have you seen this whole thing kind of shape up for the last two weeks? And then we'll jump into some audio on it. I think, you know, you hit it with the atrocities on both sides and it's been happening since, uh, you know, before you and I and everyone listening to the show were in existence and it's going to be happening uh, after we're all gone to some degree. Uh, obviously, depending on how ruthless and uh, destructive they are towards each other now. My concern is America and what's happening here. America first. And I feel like we've been just wearing out that term America first, but it can never really be worn out because yep. that's what's important. We now have four countries in the world uh, fighting with each other. And actually, I think uh, five countries now, if, you, if you're going to start uh, adding maybe even more Iran and Lebanon and sure. Syria and all that in the Middle East. So we could technically say that we are entering World War Three with all of this happening. And how are we going to get through this? Because we are seen as a joke on the world stage right now. None of this would have been happening under President Trump because, you know, he he served the country and he led the country, you know, with just strength like people feared what he may do if, if they messed around you effed around and you, you found out with donald trump and he made that clear and now we're so weak you know when is china going to move into taiwan and, and and start that rhetoric they're already doing military exercises again with saudi arabia and joe biden wants to talk a good game about uh normalizing relations in in the in the middle east that was all done under trump and it's now falling apart under Biden because there's no respect. There's no respect as a world leader with Joe Biden and the United States. I'm more worried about things that are possibly, you know, threatening us with our open southern border and all of the, you know, special interest aliens coming through from special interest, you know, countries. And it, it's it's bad all over. And wherever you lie, I don't care who you support in this, but you it, you should really take a step back and worry about supporting us because we're going down a really dark path and every time we get involved further in one of these conflicts and wars we're weakening ourselves like and and that's i think what what these evil people want you make some excellent points and obviously uh, you know, we're going to give our listenership a comprehensive look into what's going on. You, you've touched on just about every single thing that we're going to hit on as well. You, you know, that's the, that's the way Noah and I feel here on the show. Obviously, both sides have done awful things to each other. Most recently, Hamas committed some horrible, uh, you know, atrocities against Israel. I, I think the amount of 
open support for what Hamas did in the United States is extremely alarming, especially in a lot of our collegiate institutions and in major cities as far as like rallies go and stuff like that. You know, to celebrate in this moment as someone who is a supporter of like, let's say, Palestine or two-state system or even more radically a one-state system where Palestine takes all of the land, you really have to think, what is this falling on the heels of? Now, we have decided not to get into like a body count or, you know, uh, how bad the atrocities are. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, when you see some of the stuff that's going on in the streets of America and on the campus of our colleges here in this country, you really have to take a step back and think like, okay, I know what happened. I know that Israel said now, you know, over 1,400 people were murdered. There's been like over 3,500 injuries. There are you know, dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of hostages that have been taken back to Gaza. Uh, some of them include women, small children, even babies, people that are on, you know, uh, severe medical restrictions and stuff like that. And then you see these college campuses where essentially international students have hijacked a lot of these governmental, uh, you know, pseudo clubs and things in on college campuses. Then you have a lot of radicals who go and sit on these boards and promote and fund these things. And now they're driving American citizens to feel as though, you know, the murder of all those people in Israel uh, two weekends ago is not only justified, but it's something that should be celebrated. Now, Alan, when you see that stuff going on, I mean, there were two major universities just in New York alone where you live over the course of the last week that had massive rallies that supported what happened in Israel two weekends ago. What do you think about that? I think so you have to look at it this way, Ron. You have the mainstream media, okay, that is not helping the situation and, and the war propaganda that's coming out on both sides, Great I believe that both both are equally guilty of this because it is hard to figure out what is real and what is not as far as the information you're being fed on social media and mainstream media, because some of it has been debunked as artificial intelligent uh, images and, and things like that. And videos. pictures. Yeah. Yeah. So doctor pictures, doctor videos. And this is being pumped out at a, at a unbelievably rapid rate intensely over everywhere. And it's causing people on both sides and even causing divides within each side. Like Republicans are at each other's throats. OK, you have you have commentators out there, well-known commentators who worked in, in high levels of government going at each other because one may say that Israel did something that's not so good and Palestine did something that's not so good. And big names we're talking about. And it doesn't surprise me that the colleges are eating that up and yep. all of these pseudo clubs and government clubs and these boards are taking it and then spreading that. And that's the big problem because of the war propaganda that's out there. And that's it's all by design to gain support for each side. As we speak right now, there is a tremendous riot with pro-Palestinian protesters happening, I believe, in Dallas, Texas, that yeah. I just saw on my Twitter feed. And it's happening all over in Florida, everywhere. And again, this is what they want. They want this chaos. And they it's going to come to a point where the extremists are going to get so energized possibly over nonsensical war propaganda that's being uh, spread by the mainstream media that we may some we're going to see some serious serious issues and people getting hurt in this country. Oh, you you 
make some great points there. And, you know, in some of these rallies, I've seen ISIS flags. There's been people that's been identified by the media as those who are, you know, people that have claimed asylum here, people that have legal permanent residentship here. They're not even American citizens yet. And then they're leading these charges for opposition governments and terrorist organizations in the streets of the United States. And it calls for, in my opinion, a recipe for disasters. We kind of look at and break down the situation right now. So we're going to start in with uh, Assistant White House Press Sec, Admiral John Kirby. He was on Fox News this weekend, and he was kind of, you know, talking about what Alan alluded to at the top of the segment, this turning into the preamble maybe for the start of World War III and the Biden administration's concern with this spilling over outside of Israel and Palestine in the region. Southern border, because obviously the chaos there... The openness, you can argue about that, but I mean, record numbers of people showing up there, record numbers of people who are either on a terror list or associated with somebody who is a family member, an associate. We're at record numbers for those. How worried are you as somebody who is, your job is national security, that we have an issue there with somebody who would be a bad actor, a copycat, or a terrorist cell? We're, we're, we're concerned about the potential spillover from the war against Hamas uh, in terms of domestic security. That's why days ago, I mean, within a day or two of the attacks, the president ordered the team, the national security team uh, and the Department of Homeland Security to work with state and local authorities to make sure that we have the intel picture in place to be able to identify and potentially disrupt any domestic terror threat as a result of, uh, of what's going on uh, against uh, Hamas. And I will tell you that even as we were speaking here this morning, we simply don't have any specific credible threat to speak to but that doesn't mean we're not looking very very hard doesn't sound like a come on huge endorsement not only that john kirby you're about two million getaways too late when it comes to the crisis on the u.s southern border you know they, they talk about all these people that have come in that are unscreened unvetted uneverything over the course of the last nearly three years now and it's at this point where hamas and israel are, are heating up with hostilities between them that they want to be able to focus on things domestically that could affect the United States negatively because of what's going on in the region. I saw a post come out. It was from uh, Fox News yesterday, and this this said, CBP sources confirmed to Fox News at least two known, it's up to four now, four known instances of Iranians apprehended at the border hitting on the terrorist screening database, raising red flags that they could pose a significant security threat in the first two weeks of fiscal year 24. That's the dates of October 1st through the 14th. So four Iranian nationals who uh, ping the terrorism alarms, in addition to the over 200 that have already been encountered by Joe Biden's Department of Homeland Security this year, the leadership of Alejandro Mayorkas. In addition to that, it was confirmed last week that there are dozens of these people who were on terrorist watch list or people of interest that have come in from source countries. Those are countries that have known ties or, or openly promote terrorism that have been released into the United States. And in the case of at least 24 of them, the government is not tracking them whatsoever, meaning that they have no idea where these people are. So, you know, when you talk about all that stuff, plus the fuel that fires the drive to commit terrorism and its acts in the region that are happening between Israel and, and Hamas right now, Alan, you, you think we're, we're just on borrowed time right now in regards to something major happening and possibly a major U.S. city, let's just say maybe a college campus or something, or just anywhere acts of terrorism that, you know, the United States has not seen in a long time? 100%. We have the holidays coming. We have cities that are congested. Take New York City uh, in general, you know, the, the Christmas tree lighting and, and Times Square and Radio City Music Hall and the, and the church services. And realize that we've had this open border, what, for now three years. 
And they talk about these people that are apprehended by the Border Patrol who are overwhelmed processing these people. I think it was something, uh, was it in Arizona in the last 28 days, 49,000 people were apprehended. Correct. And, and now I'm hearing now, Ron, that people are coming and they are um, actual, uh, whether they're from Lebanon or Syria, they're Middle Eastern and they're posing as Hispanics and they're down to the mannerisms and the language so perfectly that they're actually passing off as Hispanic as Hispanic when they're actually Middle Eastern. Why are they doing that? Not they're not doing it for just because they want to just come through the border as Hispanics. No, it's it's nefarious reasons. And these people are moving freely and settling in our countries in our in our country and in our cities. And and don't think just because you live in a rural area or a red area that they're not near you. Because they are. Because every city is a border city. Every town is a border town and every state is a border state. And they've been here. And now all of a sudden we're going to worry about the FBI director and Kirby speaking about imminent domestic terrorism when all they've been talking about is MAGA domestic terrorists for the past two years. Now, all of a sudden, with the open border, we're going to worry about Middle Easterns and the people that came from Afghanistan because, you know, the the, the middle the, Palestine and Israel are, are, are killing each other. Right. I mean, I mean, come on. Meanwhile, you, you take a, a twice deported guy just in Tennessee who just who just murdered two people. But we're not going to worry about the border because of that. We're only going to worry about the border and not do anything about it because of this. And really quick to add to that, I covered this on my show this morning, but and I hate to agree with him. But the president of France, Macron, Macron, whatever you want to say his name oh. is out there telling his <laughs> ministry, hey, go through and find out, find all of these people tied to Islamic radical radical groups and deport them all, all deport them. them all, yep. all of them. Yeah, I'd hate to agree with him, but he's doing the right thing. Listen. And what are, what are we doing? Just letting more in. Yeah, you've also saw that uh, Henry Kissinger had come out in the course of the last two weeks and said that the uh, open borders policy of the globalists at Davos and the World Economic Forum is one that is proving to have been a failed policy. Uh, world integration of, of races and ethnicities and religions is failed because what happens is you let in so many people unabated at once. You start to develop these large communities and even no-go zones in some country where you just see that you've taken literally the third world and you've erased portions of the rest of the globe by letting these people essentially set up third world countries inside of first world nations and uh, it's not like these people are assimilating to go and live in places like Germany or France or even the UK especially here in the United States you see an overwhelming uh, not assimilating to the United States cultures and things of that nature when you see a lot of these people coming in especially the ones that have come in since the Biden administration for all the people that have been refugees in the past, whether it be like, you know, the ones that were affected by cartels or corrupt governments in, in decades past, that's one thing. There isn't a person out there right now that can't see these people that are coming across the border. Even in the case of families, they're all young. They're well kept. Their clothes are new. They've got like fresh haircuts and their beards right. lined up. And it's not like these people are coming in at the level of extreme poverty as they once were. And then with the immigration fraud, you see a lot of these people, especially from you know, that are closely tied to terrorist organizations, they play the long game. They'll go down to places like Venezuela. They'll go down to places like Colombia, and they'll develop like a little fake family, and they'll come in here, and they'll commit immigration fraud. You know, if there's a country that has temporary protected status, and let's just say you're uh, a man or a woman from a country who can't come in, you will co-mingle with a person of a temporary protected status country and claim that you're a family unit at the border, and then you'll be allowed in, even if, it, you know, it's like an auto-deport on just face value. So... 
there's a lot of things going on, and, and, you know, we need to keep a constant eye on this. I do feel like we are on borrowed time. And, you know, it's not like saving lives is something that's a priority of the Biden administration. I saw that Russiagate proprietor and current national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, was on CNN Meet the Fake Press this weekend, and he was talking about the hostages situation that they have over in Gaza right now. Let's hear him. Is rescuing the hostages a priority at all? I mean, Israeli news media, like Haaretz, they say it doesn't seem like it at all. And, and frankly, Jake, if my kids were being held hostage in Gaza, and as you know, there are Americans being held hostage in Gaza right now, I'd want you, be, you to send in the Navy SEALs. What, what's the conversation like in the White House about the U.S. conducting any sort of operations in order to save Americans being held hostage in Gaza? Well, the president has been very clear that he has no higher priority than getting Americans back safe. Americans who are being held hostage by Hamas. The Israelis are bombing the crap out of Gaza, Jake. I mean, it doesn't seem like saving the hostages are a priority at all right now. Well, for President Biden, they are a priority. Uh, They're the highest possible priority. And he has sent hostage experts to coordinate and consult with the Israeli government on hostage recovery efforts. He's also made sure that our diplomats are in touch with third countries in the region to explore avenues for their safe release. I have to be cautious about how much I can say about certain efforts he's undertaking because we want to protect those efforts to give us the best possible chance of getting our people home. Now, Jake, one important point when it comes to the issue of the Navy SEALs is we do not at this point have pinpoint location information for where the American hostages are. So we have to continue to refine our understanding of where they are and even, Jake, who they are, because we know there are 15 unaccounted for Americans, but we cannot confirm the precise number of American hostages being held by Hamas at this time. All we can do is to continue to work closely with the Israeli government on hostage recovery options, which we are doing, and then work through third countries to see if there are avenues for release. Those efforts are underway. Our hope is that they can produce results. We will continue to stay focused on this. It's, the, it's as high a priority as the president has. You know what that sounds like to me? What difference at this point does it make? It's one of those things where it just seems like it's a lot of word salad right there. You know, there are American special forces that are working alongside Israeli special forces in theater. We also saw yesterday that there's been over 2,000 troops mobilized heading to the region that are going to add a physical presence and support to the Gerald Ford Carrier Strike Group that's already in theater and the Dwight D. Eisenhower Carrier Strike Group that's en route to the region. So it seems like... We're kind of running out of forever wars to, uh, you know, Afghanistan's done. Ukraine's lost interest. I, I know, Alan, you probably saw that Vladimir Zelensky offered to stand in solidarity with Israel and wanted to take a little vacation in uh, yeah, Jerusalem. He was denied. Bibi denied him. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty awesome. But there were some other high-level meetings in the region. You saw the foreign minister of Iran met directly with the leader of Hamas in Doha, Qatar. And then the Iran leader, uh, Khomeini, yesterday you know, he put out a statement that said the international community must respond to the atrocities that happened in Israel. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Mm. But then he went on to say that Israel must be prosecuted for all of their war crimes. And I was like, mm, I don't think so. Mm. Not after what happened, you know, two weekends ago. So it, yeah. it's just one of those things where a lot of people and players are moving behind the scenes. You also saw yesterday the presidents of both Egypt 
and Jordan put out statements that they will be accepting zero uh, refugees from Gaza. So I think we know at this point where people in the world are going to be starting to uh, suggest that all of these Hamas-aligned refugees be going. Yeah, they're all going to want to bring them here. And listen, well, you have that, what's his name, That the uh, the fire alarm pulling congressman. What was his name? Uh, Jamal Brown or something like that? Jamal Bowman. Jamal Bowman. He's looking to, I think they're already trying to put bills or, or, or uh, work legislation or, or rally for refugees to be uh, brought to the United States. Palestinian refugees brought to the United States, just like they did with Afghanistan. And, you know, we, we have to... Uh, we have to block that. I know there are two Republican congressmen trying to put out the Gaza Act, which is a yep. shame we have to do something like this, which unfortunately will probably never pass. But th- this is what they want to do. They'll, they'll flood us with Palestinian refugees. Well, I think we already have enough of them that came through the southern border. And it's a shame. And, and, and Iran is directly threatening us now. Yep. So, I, I mean, Roan, how how does this play out with our involvement in this? Uh, what looks to be, like you said, never ending war. I think we're going to be heavily entrenched in it. And it is just it's 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 a shame. We I don't think we can afford this. And, you know, for all of those men and women up on Capitol Hill who like to go out and virtue signal about, you know, being all in for places like Ukraine and now Israel, uh, you see the speaker race being held up even more. I believe there's 20 votes right now that separate Jim Jordan from wielding the speaker gavel. It doesn't seem like these people want to get back to uh, doing the things like they do most, and that's funding forever wars. So I'm looking right now at some of the uh, numbers in the speaker races. We're trying to keep you up to the minute here. The first ballot totals, Democrats voted in unison with Akeem Jeffries. He reached 212. Jim Jordan had 200. Kevin McCarthy, 6. Lee Zeldin, 3. Steve Scalise, 7. And then Garcia, Emmer, Cole, and Massey all received one vote. So it looks like right now we are 17 votes shy of Jim Jordan becoming the House Speaker. And if any plans with the Democrats, it would take five right now for Republicans to jump over and have Hakeem Jeffries become Speaker of the House. So that's kind of uh, what we're doing. And looking at up to the minute on the Speaker race, and speaking of funding Forever Wars, the real-life Mr. Garrison, Lindsey Graham, has been stumping hard since Hamas attacked Israel two weekends ago, he did a large portion of the Sunday morning news circuit drooling and frothing at the mouth over anticipating how high the Raytheon and and Lockheed Martin stocks he owns are going to be shooting up over the course of the next six months. Let's hear him. Let me ask you about Iran, Senator. The broader region, of course. You said this week that the only way to keep the war from escalating is to hold Iran accountable, part of what you're talking about now, and that it might mean bombing their oil refineries. Have you had any discussions with the Biden administration about this? A a bit. Uh, I want to applaud President Biden for his strong statement in support of Israel. I just got off the phone to the Israelis. Uh, Their goal is to destroy Hamas in the south and try to save as many innocent Palestinians as possible to prevent escalation north from Hezbollah. Here's my message. If Hezbollah, which is a proxy of Iran, launches a massive attack on Israel, I will consider that a threat to the, um, to, to the state of Israel existential in nature. I will introduce a resolution in the United States Senate to allow military action by the United States in conjunction with Israel to knock Iran out of the oil business. Iran, if you escalate this war, we're coming for you. 
Are you effectively poised to declare war on Iran? That's very strong language. I, I am poised to use military force to destroy the source of funding for Hamas and Hezbollah. The idea that Iran read about this operation in the paper or on television is laughable. 93% of Hezbollah and Hamas's money comes from Iran. They're the source of the problem. They're the great evil. So if Hezbollah escalates against Israel, it will be because Iran told them to. Then Iran, you're in the crosshairs of the United States and Israel. He's scary. He really is. I mean, he wants nothing but to just bomb everybody. Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, I, I'd i love to see somebody make Iran a, the largest ashtray in the Middle East. I've right. always said that for years, but it, it's he doesn't want it for the right reasons. He wants it because it'll just in, enrich him through the military industrial complex. And, and just just further our uh, our debts and, and inflation and everything else. No, it's Lady G is a warmonger. None of us want war. Well, I shouldn't say that because there's quite a few people out there that want war that will benefit from it. You know, I'm not going to lie. I, ha I do have defense stocks, but I still don't want war. <laughs> Let's see. What do we get honest with you? I, I'm kind of retarded. <laughs> Asshole. No, it's all good. Here's the thing. He's scary. The prospectus of more forever wars is very scary. And then when you talk about a religious blood feud that's going on in Israel right now, it's not going to be as conventional as everybody thinks. And, you know, when you saw the level of technology that was used, I'm talking about drones and you had beach chairs with fan backs and parachutes attached to them, uh, dirt bikes and, and, you know, Toyota pickup trucks. As far as the Hamas side goes, albeit in, in its initial attack was very effective when you're talking about the military might of the Israeli fighting force, when that becomes kinetic and they lined up the the sides next to each other, it shan't bode well for, for the Hamas terrorists. And then anyone that's going to be caught in the fire uh, on the Palestinian side. So, again, probably no winners. I know that Vladimir Putin and Bibi Netanyahu spoke on the phone yesterday for nearly an hour. And afterwards, both sides issued statements that, uh, you know, Israel was standing strong in the fact that they said they are going to eliminate Hamas from the face of the earth. And then they'll, they'll clean up the mess afterwards and, and try to put it back together the best they can. Uh, you then saw Vladimir Putin boarded a plane last night, head over to China because they're doing the Belt and Road conference over there. He's going to have some FaceTime with Chinese Emperor Xi Jinping. So that's kind of where we're at. We're going to hear from uh, Secretary of State Tony Blinken in just a second. But before we get into him, guys, wherever you're listening to the show today, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio, obviously follow the Steak for Breakfast show there. Make sure the show is downloading as well. You guys want to help us out in the algorithms, help us out in the top 100. Big, big thumbs up from there. Rate the show. Write a review if it's on Apple or Spotify. We deeply appreciate that. And then find us on social medias, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. Follow our accounts and hit the notification bell. I've got a quick little two-clip montage of Tony Blinken as he announced yesterday as he stayed in the region over the course of the last week that Joe Biden's going to be making a trip to Israel. He's also going to be visiting, I believe, Jordan and Egypt as well. Let's hear him. Good morning. On Wednesday... President Biden will visit Israel. He's coming here at a critical moment for Israel, for the region, and for the world. 
and he's coming here to do the following. First, the President will reaffirm the United States' solidarity with Israel and our ironclad commitment to its security. President Biden will again make clear, as he's done unequivocally since Hamas's slaughter of more than 1,400 people, including at least 30 Americans, that Israel has the right and indeed the duty to defend its people from Hamas and other terrorists and to prevent future attacks. The President will hear from Israel what it needs to defend its people as we continue to work with Congress to meet those needs. Second, President Biden will underscore our crystal clear message to any actor, state or non-state, trying to take advantage of this crisis to attack Israel. Today, and at our request, the United States and Israel have agreed to develop a plan that will enable humanitarian aid from donor nations and multilateral organizations to reach civilians in Gaza, and them alone, including the possibility of creating areas to help keep civilians out of harm's way. It is critical that aid begin flowing into Gaza as soon as possible. We share Israel's concern that Hamas may seize or destroy aid entering Gaza or otherwise preventing it from reaching the people who need it. If Hamas in any way blocks humanitarian assistance from reaching civilians, including by seizing the aid itself, we'll be the first to condemn it and we will work to prevent it from happening again. We welcome the government of Israel's commitment to work on this plan. The President very much looks forward to discussing it further when he's here on Wednesday. So it seems like some strongly worded words from the U.S. State Department in regards to now Joe Biden going to Israel and the importance of the optics of that, even though Joe Biden's the biggest piece of shit as far as presidents go in the history of our country. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the solidarity of the United States and Israel on the world stage where not the Secretary of State or the Secretary of Defense, but the president of the country is going to have photo op with Netanyahu on Wednesday. But it seemed like the Biden administration, who is still to this point denied any of Iran's involvement in funding Hamas directly related to this case, uh, you know, will be letting aid into Gaza now ahead of the Israeli invasion of the territory. So I thought it was very weird how they had to kind of negotiate that out and how it kind of played out. I mean, any idiot could see that Joe Biden was not going to go to Israel and get his give Bibi Netanyahu his photo op if they didn't allow the aid in there and, and feed the need on the humanitarian side of it. In addition, there's also been reports out of Washington, D.C. I poked around yesterday, kind of got all but confirmed. The Biden administration has refroze that $6 billion for Iran, but they're not providing any comment on the situation right now as it is a developing one. So I thought that was pretty interesting, too. So I heard that, too, Ron, as well. They quietly refroze the $6 billion. But then after that, I was doing some digging. And I, I'm not going to say it's confirmed, but I, I thought I did see I did see an article that the bank in Qatar uh, disputed that and said, no, the, the deal is going on as initially uh, negotiated. So I don't know what to believe. The, the, the fact of the matter is that money is there and it's not going to be frozen forever, I'd imagine. And let's face it, we know that Iran is funding most of the t Islamic terrorism sure. around the world. And when you look at the weapons in the photos and the videos of Hamas and you see that they're United States military issued M4s with, yep. you know, the optics, uh, everything. 
then uh, where did they get those? Well, we know they got them. There was a gift from the Taliban. Well, yep. I'm sure they were paid for. But, you know, don't 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 tell me that there's no evidence of any funding and that Iran is in, in not involved in any of this. When Iran is now specifically saying that they will get involved if the Israeli invasion, uh, ground invasion or, or bombing continues and then tell us that we will become legitimate military targets if we get involved. Well, you're 100% right. And, you know, it's one of those things where let's just say they don't freeze the money, but, you know, just tell Qatar, we're just going to keep it there. And between our other pallets of cash and easing of sanctions where we've allowed Iran to rebuild their foreign economy, which was averaging approximately $4 billion annually under Donald Trump has now exploded and brings in over $70 billion a year under Joe Biden. They could survive off that until we were, you know, unfreeze the other or unfreeze air quoting the other yeah. six billion. You also talk about consequences falling out from this entire situation and the players involved. It was pretty funny to see, uh, you know, for as secure as the borders are, according to the Biden administration, and for as big as a threat to our democracy that MAGA terrorists are, Christopher Ray was singing a different tune this weekend. Let's hear him. Remain committed to continue confronting those threats, both here in the United States and overseas. In this heightened environment, there's no question we're seeing an increase in reported threats, and we've got to be on the lookout, especially for lone actors who may take inspiration from recent events to commit violence of their own. So I'd encourage you to stay vigilant because as the first line of defense protecting our communities, you're often the first to see the signs that someone may be mobilizing to violence. I'd also ask you to continue sharing any intelligence or observations you may have. And on our end, we're committed to doing the same so that together we can safeguard our communities. Mm. So terrorist bad, semicolon, but if you see those MAGA hats, make sure you give Worse. us a call. <laughs> make sure you give us a call. Yeah. Funny. It's like they're automatically <laughs> passing the buck. I'm still waiting for, like, direct blame on the Trump administration for this. It's and going to happen. I think that's going to happen once we are officially entrenched in this war, like officially, when we have infantry or, or there's strikes or there's drone strikes or something other than, you know, possible humanitarian aid. I think it will come back. Well, we'll tr this all happened because of what we were left with, with the previous administration, which is all lies, just like when Blinken lied about the bank accounts at the six billion dollars for Iran were sitting in. They, they were they were done and, and made by the Obama administration signed into law. Yeah. So so many things that Donald Trump will still get blamed for and then probably get gagged and not be able to defend himself about. No. And that and that's the <laughs> thing, you know, our our reviving of the Obama era policy on Iran, the reworking and implementation of the Iran deal Pallets of cash is pallets of cash, whether it's being wired through bank accounts or physically flown into the country, have led us directly up to this point as a, a large driving contributing factors. We have definitely empowered Iran to go out and fund all of their terrorist uh, organizations that they find pleasure in funding, like Hamas and Hezbollah. You know, and it's caused the region, which is usually a tinderbox on a good day, to be sparking pretty hard at this point. I've got one more clip for our listenership regarding this topic right now before we jump in with the official spokeswoman for President Trump, Liz Harrington, and we're going to be checking out his dual events in Iowa yesterday. This was Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu 
giving a press conference today just before we jumped on the show. Let's check it out. Nazi crimes against the Jewish people on the soil of Germany and Europe. I must tell you, my friend, that the savagery that we witnessed perpetrated by the Hamas murderers uh, coming out of Gaza were the worst crimes committed against Jews since the Holocaust. The decapitation of people, the shooting of uh, little children with bound hands, the murder of uh, children in front of their parents, the murder of parents in front of their children, the hiding of babies in the attic, and the murderers who came to the attic to murder the babies, the rape and murder of women, the abduction of families, the tearing of grandmothers and Holocaust survivors and into captivity. The death pits that remind us of Babi Yar, where jeeps surround a depression in the ground where they crowd young people in and they shoot them with machine guns. This is the savagery of that we only remember uh, from the Nazi crimes in the Holocaust. Hamas uh, are the new Nazis. Hamas is ISIS, in some instances worse than ISIS. And just as the world united to defeat the Nazis, just as the world united to defeat ISIS, the world has to stand united behind Israel to defeat Hamas. So that's kind of where they're at there. And, you know, it's really alarming to see how this is kind of ramping up. That was him with one of his counterparts from Egypt this morning and we've seen developments breaking over the course of the show today where many members of the Jordanian military are lined up on the border preventing refugees from Gaza to pour into that country we've seen the same thing with the port of entry from the West Bank and Israel into Egypt so you know as you look at this it seems like everybody wants to Enjoy a piece of the pie, but when you automatically assume that everyone's going to have their hand in the pot, it's not necessarily the case. There's a lot of stuff going on behind closed doors. And, again, who's right and who's wrong in this situation as it moves into a new phase is completely yours to make for yourself. We just kind of give you all the instances happening around that are leading up to this point in time where we're at. So we're going to continue to follow this as we do with all of the major news stories, especially the geopolitical ones as important as with our ally Israel. We're going to be jumping in with Liz Harrington right now. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, T-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Tuesday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. She's the official spokeswoman for the 45th President of the United States, Donald John Trump. Miss Liz Harrington is back and joining us for a huge MAGA update today. Liz, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, I got good poll numbers, but let's start off with some of the bad stuff because I know you've uh, been providing some great commentary on this. Yesterday, Donald Trump received a gag order, not only in addition to all of the cases that have been brought against them and the unprecedented nature of most of these cases, now they've issued a gag order against the 45th president as he's the leading candidate in the party to become the rival of the sitting president. I know that this is just something that 
is just another reason why Donald Trump is the only candidate that's going to make America great again. But Liz, when you saw that came out yesterday, were you surprised? And then what do you think the president does from here on it? Well, unfortunately, I wasn't too surprised. I mean, they've been telegraphing what they've been wanting to do for quite some time now, and they put it in probably the most biased jurisdiction in the country with a total sham case. I mean, this... (laughs) I mean, it shouldn't really shock anybody when they're arresting him for his First Amendment rights. So, of course, they don't want him to be able to speak um, throughout this sham process. Uh, So we're essentially living uh, step by step in a communist country. This is what it is. And they don't want you to be able to speak. I mean, President Trump is leading the most powerful movement in American history. And that's his biggest weapon is his ability to speak the truth and resonate with so many Americans. That's why he's leading in all the polls. Um, and that's why they're going after him so hard. So unfortunately, um, I wasn't too surprised, but it is it is quite shocking when you look at the scope of it. I mean, they're basically saying, I'm not allowed to speak as well. <laughs> I mean, they're all of us, the entire campaign is going to be controlled of what we can and cannot say by Democrat judges uh, in D.C. that are so corrupt. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. And it's it's really scary times. So, I mean, we just have to keep fighting. Obviously, we're appealing it. It's totally unconstitutional. And we just have to keep fighting for the Constitution because that's what this is about. If they can do it to President Trump, Believe me, they're going to do it to everyone else, and they really already are starting to do it to everyone else. Absolutely, 100% there. And, you know, this is where you'll see some of the leaks from the people that are prosecuting Donald Trump coming out, and he can't even defend himself (laughs) in that case. Exactly, and that's the point. I mean, they're trying to control the narrative uh, with their lies. They're allowed to leak, like we saw throughout his first term. They They leaked lies an innuendo. It was all false. It was all spin. It was all designed to hamper the America First agenda and his presidency, trying to remove him, trying to take away the American people's choice. That's that's the same tactic, except they're just going even further now. Really, it shows their desperation, but they will continue to leak a bunch of lies, a bunch of falsehoods, stuff taken out of context, just completely designed for propaganda purposes. And what President Trump won't be allowed to call it what it is. And the good news is, is the American people totally get it. They know what's going on. They know it's the same game that's been played from the beginning. Uh, And they know that President Trump's the only one who's really going to get in there and put a stop to it once and for all. You know, we did see a victory, though, in the uh, document case where Jack Smith was denied moving it to Washington, D.C. I thought Judge Cannon gave the Trump team a huge win there because, you know, I mean, there's not much difference that you're going to get as far as jury goes in either one of these cases. But I think keeping it in the state of Florida is probably the best when you're looking at, you know, getting at least partially a fair shake. But I also think it, it lends credit to the judge who kind of sees this for what it is when you don't necessarily feel, as, as Jack Smith does, that he's getting you know, the will of the American people behind his case. Well, let's just move it to the most radical district in the country, and then we'll get a jury there who absolutely hates Donald Trump. They vote on average 19% Republican in general election cycles. So was it, was it ple- was pleasing to the team to at least see that shakedown over the course of the last 24 hours? 
Well, it was definitely a more fair ruling. I think you've seen more fair rulings in the judge in that case. Um, and we'll see what happens ultimately. But I mean, all of these cases should have never been brought. <laughs> there are no crimes here. Uh, in that case, uh, they try to dress it up and make it sound so scary. And it's like, no, President Trump is the highest elected official in the land. He is the one who sets national security standards. And it's so absurd that they're going to try to use these no-name bureaucrats to try to say that the highest elected official, the one who's in charge of our national security, uh, could somehow harm it. Um, it's it's so preposterous. By having his own presidential records, it's just on its face, it's ridiculous. Um, so there's no crime there. There's certainly no crime in Georgia, in New York. I mean, today, President Trump's back in court once again in New York City having to deal with it. He doesn't even get a jury <laughs> in that show trial. And they're trying, again, it's Marxist, it, it, Marxist tactics. They're trying to take away his business, his ability to operate in, in New York City. It's, it's disgusting in the entire state. Um, and he has incredible buildings, incredible properties all throughout that state, employs you know thousands of people and yet they want to confiscate that. It's really sickening to see what uh, the depths that they'll stoop to, but uh, we know what we're up against, and he's so determined and resolute. Uh, he's campaigning incredibly. He was out uh, in Iowa yesterday. He's going back. We just put out a release. He's going back to Sioux City soon. Uh, he's going to be in New Hampshire on Monday. He's fighting all these battles on all these different fronts, and uh, it's only making him stronger. No, that's the truth, and let's segue to that. You know, Donald Trump did two speaking events in Iowa yesterday, and not only did he touch on, you know, vaguely some of the things going on with his legal case, but he also put it out there for the American public to hear. Like, for anyone that thinks that Donald Trump isn't solely invested in his election campaign, what he wants to bring to the American people is solely for making America great again. He completely is in the awareness of and just basically said it. I am willing to go to jail for what not only I believe in, but to make this country great again. And, you know, we, we heard some new talking points in regards to Agenda 47 in regards to current events from stemming from what's going on in the U.S. southern border and the conflict between Israel and Gaza. Liz, Listen, it doesn't seem like Donald Trump's losing any steam. It actually seems like he's getting stronger. We'll talk about polls in a minute. But just coming out of these events yesterday, you see the energy. You see now him getting the endorsement of the attorney general of the state of Iowa, Brenna Byrd. How important is it for you know the American public to be aware of all the great things that are happening on this campaign? And for as much as the media wants to continue to demonize it, the, the job that Donald Trump is doing on the ground is starting to really reflect uh, the promises that he wants to bring to the American people in 2025. Exactly. And these are really important ideas and policy agendas um, that we, we have to get back in our country if we're going to save it. I mean, he talked about after what happened in Israel, he's been talking about the way our border is and the same exact people who are unleashing that terror over there are already here because yep. of what they've done to our border. I mean, it's it's really, really scary. And President Trump's the only one who really has the courage and the policy and the track record to fix this. And he put out a really detailed, extensive plan showing you exactly what he's going to do to get this country secure again, to bring back our sovereignty, embark on the biggest deportation operation in our country's history, because it's definitely needed. I mean, we have 
millions and millions of people and we do not know where they've come from. Uh, it just made us a laughing stock. Uh, the rule of law. I mean, that's what's so you look at this uh, split screen, right? Oh, the, the integrity of the proceedings. I read that <laughs> from yeah. uh, the judge in, in, in D.C. Oh, th- what integrity? There is no integrity. And yet, oh, that, you know, the rule of law and all of this. And yet we have no law. I mean, they've made a mockery of our laws in our country, of what they've done to our border. So you've got to check it out on DonaldJTrump.com. Uh, look at the policy he put out. But I mean, just the deportations, the the travel ban that was so successful in keeping us safe in his first term. He's going to be beefing that up. There's just so many different things. Getting these, you know, ideological zealots that are not Americans off our college campuses. I mean, we've seen this the hate that's been spewing out sure. uh, all across the country. So that was a, a big thing that he just put out. Um, but so much more. And yeah, that line that you had touched on. That's what they don't understand. It doesn't matter what they do to him, what they try to do, what they've done to his family. He's not stopping. They can throw him in jail. It will not stop this movement. We are saving this country. Uh, nothing's going to stop them, uh, stop him and stop our great movement and our great country. So we're going to bring it back and there's nothing that they can do. And he's just getting stronger and stronger by the day. Yeah. These petty attempts of trying to take him out are starting to become very tired. I mean, you saw not only Brenna Bird with a huge endorsement yesterday, but Waka Faka Flame of all people (laughs) came in with the hard endorsement and the Trump picture. I thought it was awesome and definitely something that I didn't see coming from a million miles away. Liz, I do want to talk about some poll numbers and stuff. You know, there was an ABC survey that was conducted over the weekend. It made it into a portion of their Sunday morning news show. And and they're talking about some of the the biggest issues on the campaign trail, the top 10 biggest issues to the American public. I'm going to read them off to you right now. Immigration and border security, inflation, gun violence, crime, Iran, the economy, climate change, abortion, Ukraine and Russian war, Israel and Hamas war. Joe Biden is underwater by at least 10% on every single one of those items. And in some cases, he's between 25 and 40% underwater when it comes to the American public and how they feel and, and, and look at him as the leader of the country right now. When you see numbers like that coming out and then see the attempts to still try and stop Donald Trump, both in the primary and trying to delegitimize him for the general election cycle that's coming up in just a few months now, what does it say to how, I mean, the media was bad when Donald Trump was president, but it seems like they are like hanging on by a fingernail right now to their last grip on any kind of power before it becomes a one person race versus the Democrat nominee. And, and Donald Trump at that point will be virtually unstoppable. Right. And you know, reading off all those policies and the numbers so underwater, it really screams 81 million votes most in history, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. it's, so, yeah. it's just so absurd. I mean, that we're even pretending at this point, like, how could you, it's the biggest, you know, rise and fall in history. No, he never rose that high. No. And now that they've, you know, they got the power and they've proceeded to destroy everything that President Trump built, every good thing that was going in this country. Uh, they've just, you know, taking a wrecking ball to all of it. Yeah. I mean, 
I think his numbers are even lower than these mainstream polls show. Um, but the fact that they're even showing that, I think, is why you see all the telegraphing of them trying to get rid of Joe Biden, but yep. they haven't been successful yet. I mean, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, the media is just a disgrace. I was reading uh, an article about, you know, before this gag order came out. and It's just, ho-hum, let's give both sides to a totalitarian state, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like, the way they wrote, <laughs> the way they're writing this up, as if there's any legitimacy to it at all. You have a corrupt regime not only arresting their political opponent on totally sham charges, but then trying to take away his even right to defend himself. And yet they're acting as if this is normal and just giving it both sides. And, you know, th this is what the prosecutors say. And this is what the Trump lawyers say. It's like, this is a joke. I mean, you're literally just typing on your keyboard as Rome burns. I mean, <laughs> and you're not, you're not even seeing it, that you're, you're aiding it and embedding it, uh, the destruction of your own country by not reporting on this honestly and accurately and not exposing the corruption that's that's there for all to see. So it's just a joke. Um, but again, the people get it. They see right through it. Um, and that's why even in all these mainstream polls, you know, President Trump's up by 10 points in the general election. I mean, that's why they're freaking out. That's why they're trying to take away his voice. That's why they're doing all these things. But it, it it's not working. And every time they take this further step, um, it backfires even more. I mean, look at what the mugshot did. Um, it, now it's the most iconic image of a real resistance to tyranny, right? Not True. the fake resistance to, you know, giving the power back to the American people and what they, you know, tried to do with these phony grassroots movements that weren't even real under President Trump. Like, no, this is a real movement that's against real tyranny, and we're going to win in the end. No, we certainly are. And, you know, some of those polls you mentioned, the 538 early state polling averages, that's Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. Donald Trump has a 35-point lead in all three of them. And then the RCP averages came out yesterday for six swing states. I think believe Joe Biden and Donald Trump were tied in one of them, but Donald Trump had an edge on Joe Biden in every other one, including when you add RFK Jr. to, to the equation. Liz, it's the last thing I want to ask you, and I think it's very important. Something our listenerships always question. Oh, real quick, I got a segue here. You know how we read that ABC poll just a minute ago? It was like the survey, and you made a right. you made a joke about Joe Biden never rose. He was always falling since the day he got it. <laughs> the first comment I saw underneath that post on X, formerly Twitter, last night was, "But Joe Biden will still get a hundred million votes in twenty twenty four. It's like the people know it. It's like they they see it, but you know. Segwaying now towards the end of this primary in the general election, which it seems like the Trump campaign all is but done. I mean, we're still going to take our pot shots at, you know, people like Ron DeSantis, well-deserving, uh, Mr. 9% himself. <laughs> but it seems like people like Paul Ryan and Bill Barr and the powers that be behind the scenes are trying to consolidate the rest of the GOP fake primary to get behind a candidate looking like Nikki Haley to have her run against Donald Trump solely in the primary. Now, everybody might not be on board with that, but that's kind of what I've heard out of these meetings that they've been having at their weekend retreats. In addition, when you see RFK Jr. switch from the Democrat side over to the Independent, it adds to more 
intangibles to the equation. And I don't think that either one of these people can ever beat Donald Trump in a head-to-head matchup, but they do cause for a little bit of, you know, probably going to have Donald Trump focusing in on them a little bit harder as the campaign moves on. Do you think how great of a job President Trump's done with a lot of help from his online meme war machine to take down Ron DeSantis so far in the primary season that he would have the same success rates with both RFK Jr. and someone like Nikki Haley? Well, I just don't think, I mean, the Nikki Haley question is just, I mean, it, they're just so desperate. Like, yeah. seriously, it's just, it's not going nowhere. I mean, and just like DeSantis, I mean, he, <laughs> he had this, you know, idea behind him that was never actually real of some sort of, you know, MAGA credibility or something. Oh, look, he takes it to the media or something. But it was never actually anything real. So he had some kind of like, you know, uh, inflation, if you will, to his <laughs> poll numbers. But it, it they've come down to earth because, look, the guy, he could have never even won without President Trump. And then now he's just really getting desperate and he's just bashing President Trump. It's it just the whole... I mean, the whole facade is off now. I mean, he's not even pretending to be something that he wasn't. Um, and so the same thing with Nikki Haley. Look, she doesn't have it either. I mean, the era of the career politician is over. Correct. President Trump killed it in 2016. I mean, all 17 of them. I mean, it just it's done. And the more I mean, the American people have realized that because they want something real. They want someone who is going to follow through. They've had enough of the empty promises, the talk, the, the uniparty. That's what it is. It's all a game and nothing was actually real. And so all these things that they substitute in, look, I, I don't really know what's going on with the RFK Jr. thing, but I mean, a lot of when people start actually looking into his real record, they're probably not, I mean, at least uh, people that are inclined to vote on the Republican side are not going to be inclined to to go his way. Um, but we're kind of ready for anything, I think. We're ready for the games that are going to be played. Um, we know clearly, I mean, they're trying to put him in jail. They're trying to take him off the ballot. Um, they're going to try any which way to get this election away from the American people. That's what they want to do. That's what they did in 2020. That's what they want to do in 2024. But the American people get it. They're really smart. And I don't really think there's anything stopping this movement, uh, no matter what um, tricks they try to play. So we're ready for it. Uh, and we have the people behind us. Yeah, I definitely think you guys do. You guys have done an amazing job. We like to highlight everything going on with the campaign, not just the events involving President Trump or obviously and unfortunately the events involving some of his legal woes. But the fact of the matter is the team that he has around him and how glad you know, great of a job they've done up to this point of being more financially sound, being more of, you know, an attack apparatus on places like social media and beyond. And, and just the absolute job that you guys have done, getting him back out there, letting him do the things that he wasn't allowed to do as much in 2020 because of all the COVID stuff with being a touchable candidate that's involved with the American people and having more of these intimate speaking events instead of just rallies all the time. Like people know the rallies are going to come and they are going to be massive. But at the same time, I think it's these smaller events where he could really get into some of the issues and break down, you know, all the things he wants to do with agenda 47 and the backstory of, of, you know, why he's doing this that I just think is really resonating with everybody right now. And the proof is in the pudding. It's the polls. And, uh, you know, I, I always try to say whenever I see a Donald Trump number in the poll, especially where he's winning, you could probably add 10% to that. 
But the fact of the matter is we'll have that day moving forward when we go to the ballot box. Liz, this has been awesome sitting down with you today as it is. Every time you can come and share with our listenership on the show, let me rest assure you that they are very appreciative every time that you can give us a little insight. We're obviously going to live link the campaign in the show description today, but for anyone that's not following you, where can they check you out? You can follow me at True Social at Real Liz USA and also on X or Twitter, whatever it's called these days. But go to Truth because Truth is a lot better. Well, we'll be looking forward to having you back next month. And we, again, are very appreciative that you spent some time with us today. This is the official spokeswoman for President Trump, Miss Liz Harrington. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks so much. But now we have death and destruction all over the planet because we have the worst and most incompetent president in the history of our country. He's incompetent. He's only good. He's only good at uh, weaponizing justice against political people and religious people, frankly, a lot of religious people. What a what a shame if they spent the same energy on defeating all of the enemies that we have. We have more enemies now. You know, we had all peace. You know that. Remember when crooked Hillary Clinton, which I don't call it that anymore because I'm using I call her beautiful Hillary, right? She's a beautiful woman. But remember when beautiful Hillary went out and she said, he'll cause war. Here's his personality. He'll cause war. in our I said, no, I'll end war. And I was right. I didn't have any wars. I'm the only president in like 80 years that didn't have a war. I got rid of ISIS. We won ISIS. We beat ISIS. We did a lot of things nobody can believe. But we didn't start a war. Uh, they started wars in the Middle East that they never finished. They blew the place up. You know, it's like obliterated, then they left with nothing. President Trump was on the campaign trail yesterday in Iowa. He did speaking events in Adel and Clive. Both were very well attended, and his messaging was hitting on some of these geopolitical issues like the conflict in Israel right now and things to do with our U.S. southern border, putting out even more of a comprehensive package regarding his immigration policies as part of Agenda 47. It was great catching up with Liz Harrington and getting a little insight into everything else that's going on with the former president as he vies for the GOP nomination and eventually returned to the White House in 2025. Alan, I know you tracked both of these speaking events yesterday. Powerful statements from President Trump throughout the course. I think he read The Snake at both events as well. When you're seeing uh, how much steam he's picking up and how much of a joke the Republican primary has become, what do you think? I think it's amazing, the support, especially when you have rappers like Waka Flocka coming out and uh, with his million or so followers endorsing him. Huge and, uh, endorsement. Yeah, huge endorsement. He read The Snake, which I played this morning on my show, which was pretty um, pretty tremendous when that is exactly what we are doing as a country is we're letting the snake in. I think we've already allow, uh, let a lot of snakes in. But, you know, in, in, in part where you may even have the clip where he he says he's what he's willing to go to jail. For fighting for this country and I look at that and I say this man 77 years old who lived his best life he's done everything from TV to the White House to you know uh, making billions of dollars for his family raising a great family and he could be living his life down in Mar-a-Lago playing golf every day not worrying about what's going on and there is no feeding the ego of Donald Trump any longer it's he's truly truly wants to save America and He's he's emotional about it. He's he's emotionally charged because he sees where this country's going, and we we all have to support him. And he keeps gaining support. And as far as the primary, uh, you know, field, the uh, RNC chairwoman should grow a set and say it's over. We're not having any more debates. We have our primary. Uh, we have our Republican nominee. It's clear he has incumbent numbers, and enough is enough. But unfortunately, the RNC is very gutless, and. Uh, 
We just have to keep pushing. It's, yeah. it's Trump and only Trump for me. Trump and only Trump for us here, too, on the show. We endorsed him day one. We were with him throughout the first term, and uh, we'll continue to support him all the way up through his return to the White House in 2025. I did see that last weekend they had that event that was held by Paul Ryan, Bill Barr, and some other losers, where some of the other candidates in the fake primary, like Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, et cetera, you know, they met up, and I really think, and from what I've heard, that was kind of a consolidation of power and money meeting where some of these candidates are being urged to get out of the race and bank all of their efforts and dollars behind not Donald Trump in his attempt to beat Joe Biden in the general election next year, but one candidate to fight Donald Trump in the Republican primary. What I'm hearing is that it's going to be Nikki Haley, but we'll yet to uh, know that, and we'll continue to track that and see where that goes. I know Ron DeSantis' team was very against that happening, but at the end of the day, I think he's eight days-ish away from running out of money. So we'll have to see know. we'll have to see what happens. You know, it's one of those things where I think these people have really just absolutely thrown their careers away at the behest of getting a book deal and a job on Fox News or Newsmax at some point. And, you know, when you talk about the debates as well, Alan, there's also rumors that after the upcoming Miami debate, they're going to tank the rest of them at least in the near term because I think they had like 11 or 12 scheduled. With the ratings they had last time, it just doesn't become – monetarily ready and then when you look at what's involved in these things you know they're doing it with their usual rumble and some of the other affiliates but they're letting abc news get in on this one which was one of the biggest proprietors of the russiagate narrative which has been completely debunked so that's how your rnc and and gop political apparatus is working for you the american people right now you know one of these things that donald trump talked about and that we covered earlier in the show was these people who come here from other countries and then they stoke not only the fear, but the drive to have anti-American views of our country, even leading up to and past the threshold of violence. Donald Trump doesn't want him here. Neither does America first. He talked about that as part of his new points in agenda 47 and his immigration policy. Let's hear it. Democrats fought us like crazy over the travel ban. You know that they fought us like crazy. I had to go through the whole court system, but after 18 months in court, the Supreme Court finally ruled the travel ban was totally constitutional because we want to keep bad people out that want to destroy our country. As president, I also suspended refugee resettlement when we entered office in 2017. Nobody had ever heard of it before. We didn't want that. And we'll do it again. We'll put it right back into place. I banned refugees from Syria. I banned refugees from Somalia very dangerous places and from all of the most dangerous places all over the world. I banned them. I said, I'm sorry. And in my second term, we're going to expand each and every one of those bands because we have no choice. Some very rough people, some very, very rough people come out of those areas. They want to blow up our country. We aren't bringing in anyone from Gaza, Syria, Somalia, Yemen or Libya or anywhere else that threatens our security. It looks like the travel ban just got 10 feet higher, according to Donald Trump, when he takes office again. Hey, I'm, I'm all for it. If we have the travel bans that Joe Biden didn't uh, get rid of, what, on pretty much day one, uh, maybe we'd be in, in better shape. But, you know, obviously they, they, they could not uphold any Trump policy, uh, any Trump era policy uh, at, a, at a spite. So, And he did touch on that directly, saying that part of Joe Biden's agenda when he took off was this to simply reverse Trump policies just because it had nothing to do with it made more sense. It had nothing to do with it was fiscally more responsible. It had nothing to do with improving our standing both foreign and domestically. It was just because 
They were Donald Trump's policies, the Trump doctrine. He would go on to allude in this speaking portion of his rally yesterday what exactly he would do, not just for the people who were trying to get here, but for the ones that already were. Let's check it out. In addition, we will aggressively deport resident aliens with jihadist sympathies. We have to. This isn't like being Mr. Nice Guy. We have to. Or we're going to have a country that's going to be blown to shreds because bad things are happening. Millions and millions of people have come into our country and nobody has any idea where they're from. Some from countries that nobody's ever heard of. In the wake of the attacks on Israel, Americans have been disgusted to see the open support for terrorists among the legions of foreign nationals on college campuses. They're teaching your children hate. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're teaching your children hate. Under the Trump administration, we will revoke the student visas of radical anti-American and anti-Semitic foreigners at our colleges and universities. and. We will send them straight back home. They go back home. Enjoy your life. <laughs> Likewise, the mobs of, I mean, literally barbarians that we saw in the streets of New York and other cities last week have no place in America. We can't have it. We have to. No country can sustain it. And we all want to be nice, but no country can sustain it. He makes an excellent point there. I think when uh, people here deporting residents here in the United States, these are people that have already gone through the asylum process in our broken immigration system. Their asylum requests or claims have been proven to be valid to the point to which they are granted permanent residentship here in the United States, which means essentially that this is their home. Whether or not they want to keep that status throughout the you know course of their life is up to them, but that is the automatic pathway to U.S. citizenship as well. So, Donald Trump going out as far as saying, like, we aren't just going to stop the people from coming here. We aren't just going to go and look through the asylum cases. We're not just going to go on college campuses and find out that these student visas who are here as guests to get an education and essentially bring that education back to their country. We're going to take people that have already been granted permanent stay here in the United States. And if they're caught participating in these events or stoking fear and hate in the United States, then they're obviously not assimilating to, you know, the wholesome American values that they said they wanted to enjoy when they immigrated here. And therefore, their green card will be revoked and they'll be put on a plane and sent back to their third world shithole. <laughs> I'm all for it. I'm all in. If, uh, if, if, if Joe Biden wanted to gain any respect from the American people, he would literally be unleashing uh, the uh, military and, and, and pressuring governors to unleash the National Guard to go and apprehend any uh, military age male from any type of uh, Islamic country that have, has come here to seek a fake asylum and apprehend them and deport them back. But, of course, it wouldn't happen. And I like when Donald Trump says that you will see the biggest deportation operation in American history because it, it it's so bad that we have to waste time and resources to do this when it could have been avoided in the first place. So they, you can't sit there and tell me that the Democrats and the Biden regime and his handlers and the people truly in control are not trying to destroy this country, you know, one day at a time. Oh, it's the truth. And, uh, you know, Alan alluded to some of the legal things that Donald Trump would be going through. Obviously we touched on it with Liz Harrington, right before we jumped in here, but Donald Trump has been making it a point to not only talk about his indictments, but people he's been indicted more than. Let's hear this one. 
I've been indicted more than Alphonse Capone in the list. They all happened so fast, too. They all happened right before the election. How about I have a trial scheduled for the day before Super Tuesday? I can't imagine the courts are going to allow that to happen. The day before Super Tuesday. Oh, no, that's not political, is it? It's not going to matter because the people of the country get it. That's why I'm the only person ever indicted where my numbers went up. It's true. But the great Al Capone, did anybody ever hear of Alphonse Capone? He was so mean. If you looked at him in the wrong way, he'd blow you away. He'd kill you, kill people for fun. Scarface, he had a big scar on his face. I'm sure it happened very innocently. Big, horrible, grotesque scar. Scarface, do you ever hear that? Scarface. Uh, he was only indicted once. I got indicted four times in a matter of seconds. <laughs> Oh, my father would be so proud of me. Son, you've been indicted. <laughs> he wouldn't believe it, actually. <laughs> oh, so you've been indicted again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, he's he's honest and truthful there, and I like how he puts kind of a human spin on it. You know, it's not something to make light of, but I think he's done a really good job of kind of navigating the legal process as it's been, you know, up to the point to where he's put so much pressure on the courts that are running these sham investigations and indictments to get him that they were able to get a gag order in the case of, uh, you know, the case led by Letitia James. That's Letitia Tish Peekaboo James, the disgraced animal attorney general in the great state of New York. We're going to look at some poll numbers real quick before we wrap it up here on today's Tuesday edition of the show. There was an ABC News survey that was conducted over the course of last week. It was presented on their Sunday morning show, and it talked about some of the biggest, the most pivotal issues of the upcoming general election. And believe it or not, Joe Biden is underwater on every single issue that are important to Americans right now. I'm going to read down this, uh, and tell me if you think this is pretty accurate, Alan. This is his approval rating. 26% on immigration and border security. 29% on inflation. 32% on gun violence. 33% on crime. 33% on Iran. 36% approval on the economy, 39% approval on climate change. That's the number one campaign pillar of his entire administration. (laughs) And he only got 39%. Yep, 39 approval rating on abortion, 41% on the Russia-Ukraine war, and 41% on the Israeli-Hamas war that's going on right now. So there isn't one issue in the top 10 issues that are important to Americans right now that Joe Biden is even near 50% on. The closest are 41% on Ukraine and Russia and Israel and Hamas. But as those continue to unfold, you're going to see those poll numbers essentially, if if the rest of them are a trend, go down as he's getting ready to, uh, you know, ramp it up and head into the general election cycle in just a couple months now. So it doesn't really bode well for the sitting president. And, uh, you know, I've seen some people posting comments under that. <laughs> some guy put, yeah, but he'll still get 100 million more votes in the next election. <laughs> yeah, he'll still get the most votes in American history. 11, yeah, he'll get 100 million votes. 100 million votes. 11 billion votes. 11 billion. It's, if they, yeah, they, they will come up with that. I think all those numbers you just read off were a little high, too, by at least 10%, I think. Sure. I just... I don't see how rational thinking people actually believe that this empty suit, this zombie walking around in a necktie really is doing anything for this country other than, yeah, damaging it with his his handlers, with whoever is really in charge. And unfortunately, there are people, either they're getting paid a lot of money or they are actually that retarded that actually think he's doing a good job and want to vote for him again. It amazes me some of these young 
uh, Gen Zers, I guess they they are, mm -hmm. where they say, I'm all in on Biden. I'm riding with Biden. How much are you getting paid? Come on. You can't be that stupid. No they one's riding be. with Biden. No one's riding I, with Biden. I'm I'm hiding from Biden. Yeah. My bank account's hiding. My retirement's hiding from Biden. I'll tell you that yeah, much. My, <laughs> yeah. My investment portfolio is... Uh, What's left of it? It's seen better times. That is for sure. Smoldering ruins. I got 538 averages right here. This came out yesterday. Early states polling averages. Iowa, Donald Trump 50%. Ron DeSantis 17. Nikki Haley 9. New Hampshire, Donald Trump 45%. Nikki Haley 13. Ron DeSantis 10. South Carolina, Donald Trump 47%. Nikki Haley 17. Ron DeSantis 13. And then based on their point value system for endorsement points, Donald Trump has a lead over the next nearest contender, 364 points to Ron DeSantis, who sits at second at 43. So what do you think about those? When do you just call it quits and say, we've had enough, it's done, there isn't enough energy or money in the world to fight on what, what we need to be supporting? I mean, but they, those, those DeSantards, they're holding on. I mean, you can smell the desperation in the air every day on Twitter as they're tweeting about Donald Trump's mental decline and his his uh, sparse attended events with photos that they're taking nine hours before the event when vendors are setting up. But they're you got to give them credit, I guess. They're not giving up. No, it's the truth. Last poll I've got, Alan, this came out yesterday. This is five of six swing states that were polled when RFK Jr. is added to the election cycle. Arizona, Donald Trump 42, Joe Biden 37, RFK Jr. 8. Georgia, Donald Trump 41, Biden 38, RFK Jr. 8. Michigan, Donald Trump 40, Joe Biden 38, RFK Jr. 7. Pennsylvania, Donald Trump and Joe Biden are tied at 39%, RFK Jr. 9. North Carolina, Trump 41, Biden 38, RFK Jr. 9. And Florida, Trump 44%, Joe Biden 37, RFK Jr. at 8. So I don't see RFK Jr. getting to double digits in any of those polls. It looks like he's at 8 or 9 in all of them. It doesn't seem at this point it's affecting Donald Trump in any way, shape, or form. Looks like it's pulling away from Biden. But the fact oh. of the matter is him just being in the race and, and maybe uh, causing voters to inquire of what he's going on and doesn't know anything about his horrific backstory. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's one of those things where he's going to have to be, figuratively now, taken out before we get to the general election cycle. Absolutely. I'm curious, those polls that you just read off, the voting demographics, uh, I don't know if you mentioned it, was it among uh, just a mix of, of, of voters, uh, both, you know, all like Republicans, independents and Democrats? So your answer to the question, this is U.S. swing states using various sample sizes, and it was from the dates of October 7th through 9th of this year. So okay. they don't have necessarily a lot of cross tabs that are providing information on that. There's a graph affixed to the end of the post. And the only reason I ask that is because, listen, Donald Trump does need independence to vote for him. He does. And, and Robert Kennedy, unfortunately, as a third choice, can appeal to them, can appeal to Trump hating moderate Republicans and can can uh, appeal to moderate Democrats. Not in the sense that he has a path to the presidency because he does not. I'm just saying for those people and a lot of people disagree with me. And I'm just saying just keep tabs that he's a third choice. And don't be complacent. He will take votes from Donald Trump who hate Donald Trump and see him as a viable choice, even though they're wasting their vote. And like you said, figuratively, 
RFK Jr. needs to be taken out. He's not there to help Donald Trump. And I wish more Trump supporters would realize that and stop having the attitude of, no, 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 this helps Donald Trump. This hurts Joe Biden. No, no, no. And stop saying, well, Trump supporters aren't going to vote for RFK. Yeah, we know that. I'm talking about moderates and independents. So let's let's use your political brain a little bit, not just your, you know, blindfold, uh, your, 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 you know what I mean? Just don't have tunnel vision. Yeah. Go into this. Don't be complacent and always have in the back of your head. Donald Trump is always 20 points behind. We have it. We have a republic to save and a big fight and battle ahead of us. That's it. No, you make some excellent points there, Alan. And I think as uh, well, I'm just kind of going to leave it up to the Dilly meme team to take care of that guy, because just some of the stuff that they've teased regarding his backstory, he's basically like an older, richer, grosser Hunter Biden. I think that they're going to have their way with him and, uh, if what they've done to Ron DeSantis' political career is any indication on the amazing work that Brendan Dilley and his meme team does, then I have can kind of take comfort in the fact that he will be in good hands as far as the meme goes. Alan, you've teased that Donald Trump has alluded to the fact that he's willing to go to jail to make America great again. He actually touched on that in Iowa yesterday. Let's hear it. Trump, because that's who they're running against. We really want to run against Trump, but they don't. And the way I look at it, we beat him twice. Now we have to beat him a third time. We beat him. We beat the hell out of him the second time. Think of it. Think of it. Think of it. We did much better the second time than we did the first. Remember that. And they're getting beaten very badly by me in the polls. Uh, They think the only way they can catch me is to stop me from speaking. They want to take away my voice. And a judge uh, gave a gag order today. Did you hear that on speech? Which I believe is totally unconstitutional what she did. A judge gave a gag order. A judge doesn't like me too much. Her whole life is not liking me. But uh, she gave a gag order. You know what a gag order is? You can't speak badly about your opponent. But this is weaponry all being done because Joe Biden is losing the election and losing very, very badly to all of us in the polls. He's losing badly. But what they don't understand is that I am willing to go to jail if that's what it takes for our country to win and become a democracy again. It's Republic, but we'll give them a mulligan. (laughs) Absolutely. And I, I get it. You know, democracy, mob rule, whatever you want to call it. But. I, I love that he said it, and I'd be honest, I'd love to almost see what the DOJ and all these r- ridiculous prosecutors would do if, if Donald Trump just went all in and violated all their orders and just continued speaking the way he did and does. I, I, I just don't see anybody coming for Donald Trump saying, yep, he violated the judge's order. We're going to jail him. Okay. It's just... Good luck getting past the Secret Service with that one. And I think one of the biggest things, too, as he continues to more open up Agenda 47 and invite people to come join him in making America great again, it's the amount of people that have woken up over the course of, you know, since Donald Trump came down the golden escalator. I saw a great clip of it this weekend. And as our last audio clip of the day, let's hear a little piece from the Joe Rogan show. More time goes on. Trump Trump is a shoe in. Mm Mm-hmm. It seems like if this shit gets getting crazier and crazier, there's going to be a lot of liberals that will vote for him. He was the one in the beginning. we got to stop people from dying. Like, when they, do you want Ukraine to win this war? Remember that conversation? 
He's like, I want people to stop dying. Like, which is the best answer any politician has ever given. Mm. A lot of those anti-war shit libs are coming over to the Trump train, especially when they see Joe Biden can't stop igniting foreign wars all across the planet as our for- as his foreign policy continues to fail. Alan, this was great having you on the show today. Listen, we want to be able to direct everyone to follow you, not only just on social media, but your Rumble channel where you have a daily show Monday through Friday, MAGA mornings. Great way to start your America First Day. In addition to that, we're going to be live linking the Patriot Cigar Company in the show description as you've been one of our partners since day one of the company. Everybody that wants to check you out, just let's give us a little spiel. Just real simple. Come and join us on MAGA Mornings every morning, 8 a.m. Eastern. It's a live show. You get in the chat. We have a great community over there. Just go in your web browser and put in 1776live.tv. It'll bring you right there. And we're also live Tuesdays and Fridays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern for We The People Radio and Freedom Friday. I'm always great being here. And make sure when you go to MyPatriotCigars.com, my company, use promo code STEAK for 25% off your purchase. Ron, it's always a pleasure. Absolutely fantastic, as was your commentary today, my friend. And we're going to be keeping up on all the news and bringing you a big congressional update on our Friday edition of the show. And as we're getting ready to wrap here, Alan, I say again, thank you. And uh, we'll be looking forward to having you on the show again soon. See you soon. Busy start to our news week, to say the least. Looks like by the end of the day today, we still may not have a Speaker of the House. All we can do is say that we'll be here on Friday to give you the absolute latest. If you enjoyed this episode of the Steak for Breakfast podcast and want to hear the now over 280 other editions of the show, make sure you're tracking us across every downloadable podcasting platform. That's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Follow the show. Make sure it's downloading. Leave a five-star rating and write a review. Really helps us out. And then across social medias, Twitter, Getter, Truth Social, and Instagram. Find the Steak for Breakfast accounts. Hit the notification bell. We really and deeply appreciate it. We want to thank all of our guests for coming down today. Save America attorney and author, Ms. Christina Bob, the official spokeswoman for President Trump, Ms. Liz Harrington, and Georgia Congressman Mike Collins. You guys all helped make state great again. Guys, I know it seems like it's a busy week and starting to get a little chaotic, but don't worry. We'll be back on our Friday edition of the show. And we've got a great slate of guests coming in here as well. We're going to have Trump attorney Jesse Benal to give us the latest on any of his cases. And we're also going to be joined by a slew of congressmen, including Arizona representatives Biggs and Eli Crane. We'll have Rep Klein in here for the first time as well. So on behalf of the pod team, who's not here, it's just me, Roan. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week and take care. cares about this stupid election. We all know it doesn't matter who gets elected president of Carver. Do you really think it's going to change anything around here? Make one single person smarter, or happier, or nicer? The only person it does matter to is the one who gets elected. The same pathetic charade happens every year. And everyone makes the same pathetic promises just so they can put it on their transcripts to get into college. So vote for me, because I don't even want to go to college. And I don't care. And as president, I won't do anything.